<laughs> hey, we have a caller into the Lab Zero podcast by right. caller number 1-800-LAP-0. <laughs> I have his cell phone, so I can text him and be like, hey, where the fuck are you? Why would anyone ever give you their cell phone? I know. I'm glad I didn't do that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Antonio Lyons is uh, by the way 26 that's like half a year or something right that means we're we're doing something right we're still here so that's cool swerve and and what was uh, uh which one are we going with uh, uh 26 uh, driver was it uh it was Brett Bodine. I Brett think Bodine. Our, I want to throw out a shout out to Johnny Benson, though. I mean, like I said, he's a dude that could uh, double as a NASCAR driver and a history teacher if you looked at him in a mugshot. So nice. Thanks, in Mr. a mugshot. That's that's cool. Doctor uh, Benson. Bo- Brett Bodine had a crisp 147 races in the 26, and so did and Jamie McMurray had 144. So you know what? We could pick either of the two. It don't really matter. Jamie Mack. Jamie Mack. It is. Jamie Mack. It is. Where's uh? Where's Dave with his uh? His Jeff Gordon theme, but with another driver. I don't know. Anyways. Yep. Who cares? Anyways, we are uh, joined this week by our, our usual Levi Norman. Uh, Dave is unfortunately traveling in a big, gigantic metal box right now. So, um, AKA uh, RV. So, we're not going to be seeing him this episode, but we did replace him uh, indefinitely. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Temporarily. <laughs> uh, we do have a guest this week. Good old uh, Russell Soto. Hello. Uh, Hi, Russell. How are you? Good to see you all again. I know. Been again. a long time, Russell. Been a long time. Uh, that's true. I guess it's again for us, but like for other people, they don't really know. So anyways, Russell's a good buddy of ours. He's a, he runs in League Zero. You might have seen if you watch uh, any of the broadcasts there, stuff like that. Um, but we've known him, I don't know. How long we know each other? Like a couple years now, probably? Something years like now, yeah. I think it was 2020 or so. 2019, maybe. Yeah, there you go. So a few years now. It's already 2023, so that's cool. So uh, maybe we'll talk to our, our good old boy Russell for a bit, then we'll run into our usual podcast stuff. I think uh, Russell's probably going to stick around, but just like uh, what happened with James and uh, and Josh. So get some insight from him, see what's going on, and then uh, proceed into our normal NASCAR, F1, and IndyCar. So cool. Yes, so our, I don't know, Russell, run us, run us through who you are, bro. Let these guys know uh, who the hell you are, dude. Like, what, what the hell are you doing here? What's so cool about you? Huh? Let us know. Yeah. I guess you got a Ferrari flag in the background, so you already got some brownie points from me. Norman's got his shitty-ass Shelby flag up there, so hopefully he burns that at some point, but anyways. (laughs) Those brownie points are probably the only points Ferrari's going to get this season at this rate. (laughs) (laughs) So, So, okay, we're doing better. endurance racing. Uh, There's something, you know, but um, yeah, you know, uh, I'm Russell Soto. I'm someone who grew up in New Jersey, uh, born in New York City. Started karting from the age of eight years old. Uh, my dad was always a Formula One fan, always into Grand Prix racing growing up. Um, and when I first went to the go kart track, not gonna lie, at eight years old, I was kind of, I was kind of like, uh, is this really for me? Because um, growing up, my dad would always watch F one racing on Sundays, and I'd be like, well, this is really loud, and it's like an hour long. And at the time when I wasn't watching it, I was like, well, this is kind of boring. I just want to get get on the PlayStation. And my dad's hogging the TV, so I'm like, okay. Um, but finally I got into a go-kart and I was like, man, this is awesome. Um, I drove for the first time. I fell in love with the sport. And from there on, I just started joining indoor karting leagues. Um, I started competing. I I won my first championship like the following year that I just started doing go-karts. 
And it was at that moment that I actually met a guy named Stephen Mackler, who currently races IMSA Michelin Pilot Challenge. Um, so meeting him was something that really changed my racing career because he was the person who introduced me into proper outdoor competitive karting, um, which at the time meant junior Rotex, um, junior tag. And eventually I started racing regionally, doing things at the club race level, moving on up to the national level for one of my races, the U.S. Open of New Jersey. And so, yeah, Stephen McAleer was always a great mentor to me. Um, I owe a lot of my success, a lot of what I've been able to do so far to him. He's the one that introduced me to proper professional racing. Um, and it's not only me that he helped out. I mean, he's also helped Josh Green, um, I believe, someone who's also competed in League Zero. A couple other names like Robert McGinnis, the guy who's also racing in IMSA with Stephen at the moment. And so he's been a, a really, really important guy in, in my life. Um, also just a great guy overall. But yeah, after karting, I wanted to make the move into race cars. I mean, the entire goal when I was a kid was like, man, I want to be a Formula One driver. Or I want to get into Indy cars, something like that, do open wheel. And so naturally, the first thing I did was I started going into racing school. I picked up uh, the Lucas Oil School of Racing, which is now the official Road to Indy racing school. Um, just to get my full competition SCCA license, um, I also did a little bit of Skip Barber. Shout out to Ken Fukuda, who's an awesome coach, awesome mentor as well. Um, I did a little bit of Brittle Ruse. And this is all just to get myself some more seat time and some open wheel stuff, um, but also like hone my skills down. Eventually, college came in. Like I became college age, you know, because naturally we all age, we all get old, right? And uh, the. The, the, there came a crossroads where I was like, okay, I'm a guy with a limited budget. Um, I did not have all the money in the world. Otherwise, I probably would have been racing cars at the time. But I was like, okay, I'm either going to go into college or I'm going to just completely devote myself towards racing. And uh, I'm not going to lie, of course, family was a big part of it. Um, they definitely told me that like, yeah, you know, education is definitely really important for us, um, especially being like a first generation person in the US. So I decided to go that route, um, but I still kept it related to racing by going for engineering. So I got my engineering degree from Rutgers University, go Scarlet Knights, um, but I also joined Formula SAE at the time, and I involved myself with learning all about motorsport engineering, which honestly has educated myself as a race car driver. I feel that what I've learned from engineering has played a part in how I communicate with engineers on a race weekend, or how I help change my setups when I'm even in the simulator, for example. Um, but it also goes the other way around. Um, my racing has influenced my engineering because now I know what I want out of a car, what, how the car should behave. I know the driver's perspective of things. So I continued on with that, got my job in automotive engineering, made the move to Michigan where I'm now a vehicle dynamics performance engineer for Stellantis. So I use what I learned as a race car driver to help get feedback in, in car development. Right now I'm working on the Dodge Charger, the new EV that's going to be coming out. So nice. I'm always on the test track. Um, you know, changing different kinds of setups, you know, doing different kinds of suspension tuning, tires, wheels, just tr creating better packages for a better handling sports car. Um, but still never get, get like, I'm still never get letting go of racing though. You know, um, I still compete in spec Miata every now and then when I can around the tracks here, uh, Waterford Hills is a great track where I've actually just done some coaching as well. Um, I love doing race coaching. It allows me to meet a lot of new people and actually hone my own skills too. Um, but yeah, I'm around a lot of new tracks. Uh, Mid-Ohio, Grattan, and Gingerman are all new to me. 
Um, but it's been an awesome like opportunity to learn new like new things and check my new car that I got this year, which is a Toyota GR86. Um, so I've had an awesome time doing autocross with that as well, learning about autocross because I had never done it before. And yeah, that's what brings me here. I love doing League Zero. So shout out to League Zero, Team Goon Squad in the stream, James East. That's my boy. Um, you guys put on an awesome show. If you need an F3 league to join on iRacing, that is the one. Um, but yeah. Um, Loving the free racing. promo, just saying. Yeah, thanks love for the free promo. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> so I obviously, mean, you've, uh, obviously you've introed yourself uh, one or two times uh, before. Hey, so that's cool. You got uh, rolling right into that. But maybe... Uh, just for those of us who are uneducated, uh, maybe just let us uh, let maybe let everybody know who's listening what Formula SAE is and maybe Stellantis as well. Because I know I didn't know what it was before. I mean, you had to tell me what Stellantis was. So, I mean, maybe just let everybody else know in case they have no clue what that means. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, Formula SAE <laughs> is a competition where engineering students who are typically in university or graduate school come together and design, engineer, fabricate. A race car from the ground up essentially um the, the competition allows for a certain kind of rule book where we all have to follow specific rules and regulations the same way formula one has to every season um about specific dimensions of the car what the powertrain can or can't have for example but even though there's rules you still want to maximize those rules you still want to get the most out of your car and that's where the engineering challenge comes in so i was a part of a team uh, Rutgers Formula Racing that competed in Formula SAE and I was really happy that my last year was actually the first year we were doing an EV um, because that changed everything the handling dynamics of the car um, where the weight was going um, how exactly we we're going to tune all the different components that we can make it perform better um, but yeah Formula SAE is a great opportunity for engineering students if you're someone who wants to work in Formula One one day I can't recommend it enough it's honestly awesome um, you meet a lot of cool people there too. Yeah, I just looked this thing up in a quick Google search. Uh, anybody out there needs to go check it out because these cars are radical looking, dude. Yeah, man. They're like baby formula cars. Really <laughs> aggressive aero, uh, yeah. especially the rear wings. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> Love to see that on a stock car one day. But, um, Heck yeah. But yeah, it's, um, it's a great thing. Uh, Stellantis is the company I work for right now. They're the guys that own Alfa Romeo. Dodge, Chrysler, Jeep, Ram, Fiat, Opel, a lot of different brands in Europe as well as North America. Um, right now, they are competing in Formula One under the Alfa Romeo F1 team. Um, really, it is Sauber Engineering, though, but under name, they technically are Stellantis. So that's something that the company loves to flaunt, especially when I'm on their company website. They're like, oh, yeah, um, you know, Zhou Guan Yu was doing this this day. And I'm like, okay, that's cool. <laughs> Yeah, it's cool. always cool being a part of like a, a big corporation in that sense. Uh, Levi, you know, it's like me and you know, it's like working for a dealer to, you know, you got John Deere. I'm a dealer. We're working a dealer for Cat. So Caterpillar is oh, yeah. one of the biggest companies. So it's, it's pretty cool yeah, being part yeah. of something bigger than yourself. So yeah, well, our, our big deal with John Deere is we just, uh, yeah. I guess they have like a, every year they have the John Deere Classic, which is like a big golf tournament. Um, and that's like, you, like you said, you go on the website and that's all you could see was for, you know, the month leading up to it was just like, you know, golf this, golf this, this guy's doing an interview, check what this guy's doing, you know, we're putting this big, uh, I think they had a, uh, you know, little skid steer looking deal with like a putter on the end of it or something with a huge golf ball or I don't know what the heck was going on, but anyways, yeah, it's crazy. 
our, our big deal is we're just better than John Deere. So that's, that's really okay. what it comes at. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> gotta get him on the podcast. Anyways. Next. I know. Yeah. Well, dude, we got to find yeah. someone from one of these companies. Get him over here. But, uh, yep. anyways, um, I guess you kind of covered a lot of the questions I was already going to ask you. So that's kind of cool. Um, I know you recently, you've been doing the Lucas Oil Pro shootout. Uh, you've done it, you know, in the past too. Uh, maybe just, I guess, talk to us a little bit about some of the other stuff you've ventured into in racing. I know you briefly, you covered karting, you covered, uh, a little bit about the shootout, but maybe just tell everybody what you did and stuff. I thought it was pretty cool. We saw the, you know, the social media promotion and everything that goes into it. So, uh, you know, maybe just explain to people the, uh, the Lucas Oil Pro shootout, what you took part in there. That was pretty cool. Yeah, definitely. I would say the main two shootouts that I've competed in, uh, were the Lucas Oil shootout as well as the PT Autosport shootout. Um, so the main reason why I compete in shootouts in the first place is I, well, I guess I can consider myself as a broke race car driver. You know, I, I have all the passion, all the willingness to do the work. Um, right now I even have a, a trainer who's helping me, you know, maintain a fitness level so I can get into any car right now and just be ready when the time comes, if the time comes, but I don't have the money. Uh, the money has always been the biggest thing that stopped me from pursuing, um, a racing career and I still pursue it. I still do everything I can to network, get myself out there, but, um, it's my biggest hurdle. So shootouts are essentially opportunities that allow me to overcome that hurdle in like a really fast track kind of way. Uh, because basically if you win these shootouts, you get money to race. Um, automatically you're going to have the opportunity to race the following season in something. Typically that's how it goes. So with Lucas Oil, um, that was an opportunity where I believe I was competing with 20 other drivers at Sebring International Raceway in Florida. Um, and there was more of an evaluation. We, they were deciding, okay, how fit is this guy based on this uh, exercise routine that we'll have them do or this reaction time training that we're going to have them do? How are their lap times? They had open lapping sessions, of course, but they also had interviews as well uh, to see how we interview. How is our presence on social media? They evaluate that those things. And then all the judges come together and make a decision about who the top four are going to be, typically with different various surprises but the top winner would always have the full season for free basically um and if you win a season for in lucas oil then you essentially get to compete or at least have a scholarship to compete in usf 2000 and continue that road to indy ladder um so yeah i competed in that before unfortunately did it when it was early days in my um career in cars i had only made the jump from karting and i was already in a field with other people who had driven race cars before well, I had much more karting time as well. Um, I do say that I've competed in karting, but not nearly as much as a lot of these um, national karting drivers have done. I've only done one national karting race. Um, but I still wanted to make that jump to cars, and I never gave up. So I continued pushing, doing all these racing schools when I could afford them, um, doing race events when I could afford them. And the second uh, shootout that I did just this year, actually, was the PT Autosport shootout. Um, so that was a shootout that allowed me to basically, if I won, get a scholarship to race in something like Spec Boxster, um, like an entry level racing series where I could basically hone my skills. It was more of a development kind of shootout that you could have any range of skill or experience to enter. You didn't even have to have driven a race car before. Um, so they were considering all skill levels, but of course, if you had more experience, they would take that into consideration as well. Um, so I did apply for that. Last year, it was my second time applying for it too this year because last year I did it. Um, and to be fair, I don't think I performed at my best. I, I, I don't think um, 
in the second round, I did much social media content. I don't think I really answered the questions very well because that second round, that's all it is. It's not about driving at all. Um, and so I, I was like, okay, that's fair. I didn't get picked last year. Um, but I did get the honorable mention, which meant that I got a free test day in a spec boxer this year, which was awesome. I had a great time in New Jersey, Motorsports Park. I milked it for content for sure. Um, but yeah, this year I, uh, I gave it a lot of effort, you know, I really, uh, put in the work towards, uh, trying to get into that finals. Um, especially with the social media content, I was like up late at night doing tons of hours of editing, um, making sure that, um, the presence was there and marketing myself and stuff still didn't get chosen. Um, but such as racing, I mean, you're going to have good days, you have bad days. I, I like to think about what Daniel Ricardo said in his last interview. Um, not everyone has the hero's journey, you know, and not everyone has that journey that's so grand. It's all easy for them. Um, and whether or not you want to do something is all about if you're willing to push when it's hard. I mean, it's so easy to smile when everything's going right, but if you keep pushing when things aren't going your way, then that's how you know you really want this. So I haven't stopped. Um, I'm still doing stuff. I'm still getting myself involved. I think that's the most important thing. So, so. No, that's cool. Um, it's pretty sweet. Uh, what you got going on there. I know I was following a lot of the social media promotion and stuff. So it was cool to, uh, see, definitely milk that stuff. Anytime you get a test, bro, milk it, whatever. I mean, you got to get some sort of media presence in order to do anything nowadays. So, I mean, Hey, fake it till you make it is a true state, true statement, man. Everybody does it. So and it's not, it's not, if somebody's dissing you for it, then oh well, you just flex on them when you get it. So it's all that matters. I noticed that I, I'm assuming you're really would like to get into open wheel racing. I think that's your background and what you love the most, but, um, have you started looking at trying to get into like imps or anything? So I'm, I'm really glad you brought that up. I, I do remember that I mentioned, uh, really wanting to get into open wheel when I was a kid. Uh, my goals have changed since, um, especially now that I'm a little bit older. Um, and also I had more experience in GT cars more now, especially with spec Miata. I've, I've enjoyed the close racing. I like having the fenders. Um, but also I think it's much more accessible. It's much more realistic goal for my current stature right now, you know, cause I'm 22 years old. Um, it's not old. I don't want to say it's old, especially for guys, you know, who are older than 22, uh, <laughs> you guys are not old, <laughs> but, uh, but for formula one, it's, it's, it's grandpa, at least for getting in. Right. You know I mean? You have guys like Fernando Alonso and they're like, okay, yeah, you know, I'm still old, but I'm kicking. Um, but no, for me, uh, the goal is definitely IMSA GT racing. World Endurance Championship would be ideal for me. Uh, if I can compete in the 24-hour of Le Mans and win, that, that would be life, life set for me. That's my goal. Um, that's what keeps me going, man. Like, just that vision of me being on the top step of the podium there. So, As long as you mention Lap Zero Podcast on the yeah. podium. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thank uh, all your sponsors and don't forget us. You know? Yeah, we don't got about... 50 bucks to offer, but yeah, I got like all 50s for you, though. Every all 50, yeah, we got 50 fun, bucks from each of us. It's Canadian, <laughs> it's Canadian for me, so it's actually like 42.50, but it's okay, it still oh, counts for no. something. <laughs> but, um, anyways, yeah. I find it funny that you're working for Alfa Romeo now and you like just sold your Alfa Romeo and you bought uh, what did you buy again? Oh my gosh, I can't even remember now. The Toyota. No, actually, I, I didn't sell it. Well, I technically sold it. I sold it to my dad for a dollar. Oh, okay. Like so I it's still in the family. Basically. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's still, yeah, like so it's still in the family. That's in New Jersey. So 
Now, the car I have here is a Toyota GR86, and it's like a perfect track day car, but it's not the best daily. But, you know, I'm a single guy. I don't have kids yet or anything, you know, so it works. It's a great that ladies, car. single dude. Ah, uh, yeah. There Got you go. Got a nice little GR86. <laughs> Yeah, I'm assuming manual. Yes, it's the only Yay. way to go. Only way to go. Man, it's probably hard to find one of those nowadays. You know, very. I waited like almost half a year. <laughs> yeah, man. That's cool. Yeah, I was gonna say. I guess the weight tires on those were ridiculous. They're making yeah, but, a comeback. Yeah, for sure. They, they're actually easier to get now uh, than they were like last year. Last year they were impossible. Now I get calls all the time. Oh yeah, we have a red one. We have a blue one. I'm like, oh, oh wow. Which is like this last year. So um, Dave had a ton of questions for you. So his first one was, who was your most influential person in your racing career? Which you, you did answer. Um, he asked, how has mechanical engineering made you a better driver? I, I feel like you partially answered that. I mean, is there yeah. more you want to add on that? I think just having that engineering mindset is what really helped as well. Um, engineers, I feel like Norman can relate to this as well. Very analytical mindset. You know, you're always thinking about how can I improve something um, and or, or how, how can I be creative to make something better, right? Um, that's part of what being an engineer is. And when you're a race driver, it's the same thing that applies. How can I drive this corner better? Um, where can I improve my lap time? Um, you want to be thinking about it in terms of that. And especially when it comes to mixed conditions like the rain, you know, how can I drive this corner better? Um, becomes a real thing because now not everyone's following the same racing line. You know, you got to adapt. Um, and if lap by lap you're thinking that way and you're always adapting, then you're going to be a great racing driver. I mean, the track is evolving even in the dry as well. And, I'm, and I know we all feel that, especially when we're in the car in F3 with League Zero. You know, lap by lap, the car feels different too. And if you, you, if you change your driving style, then you're naturally going to be one of the quicker guys. So that's how it's helped for sure. I'm glad you reminded me that Norm is an engineer because I'm not going to sometimes I forget. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, anyways, uh, he said, so he, he was curious how being a race driver, racing driver in the New York area is. And he's like, is there a lot of opportunity to yourself? Do you see yourself moving to a place like Florida? You know, do you see yourself moving to the racing? I know you actually briefly just talked to me about moving overseas to even pursue racing. So uh, yeah, what do you think in that regard? That's an excellent question. Um, and it's actually perfect. I wish he was here to ask it as well. But uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, um, it's definitely a lot better than it was before. In New York, especially New York City, there's just so much stuff going on. Um, and motorsport, I feel, in the past decade has improved significantly in terms of awareness, especially with things like Formula One and road racing. I think oval racing has generally always been popular in the, in the States, but... Um, Road racing has definitely gone a lot better, especially in New York area. We have a lot more karting tracks now. The karting tracks are a lot more popular now. I remember when I first went to my local go-kart track, which is Oakland Valley Race Park, shout out to them. Um, it was kind of empty. Uh, not a lot of people knew about it. And now I see so many videos and onboards on YouTube about people going there and how it's like one of the best karting tracks to go to in the Northeast. So it's definitely improved a lot since. Um, I don't think it has everything that you need though um if you're someone like me who has limited budget can't just say okay i'm gonna fly out to other states right now and race if you have to stay in one state and race it's not the state for that i don't think um it's definitely it definitely has a better racing presence than it has had before though 
but I'm not sure it's enough. I mean, I've moved to Michigan now, and Michigan actually has a bunch of racetracks that are surprisingly very close. The first and only racetrack that I heard about before I moved was Michigan International Speedway, which is an oval track, um, not even a road racing track. So I was moving here, and I was like, oh, man, there's nothing here for me. There's no road racing. But then as I got involved with the SCCA um, and learned about things like the Detroit Grand Prix, I... Learn that I've, there are actually five tracks around me or four tracks that are within an hour from me. And I was like, wow, okay, the racing scene is a lot more, a lot more here. Um, so I've enjoyed that a lot because even when I'm not racing, I'm still volunteering or I'm still just there to network, right? Um, but yeah, Antonio mentioned uh, moving overseas. I've considered it. And especially now that I work for Stellantis, which is a global company, um, I'm hoping that maybe somehow I could talk to my boss and say, well, hey, I love to work for the Italian branch, which is the main headquarters of Stellantis, um, and get myself overseas because racing is actually a lot more, at least my, my style of racing, road racing, it's a lot more um, available there, a lot cheaper from what I've heard as well, more attainable. I mean, here you see more baseball fields, there it's all go-kart tracks or race car tracks. Um, and so I've, I strongly considered it because... If I even want to get into motorsport engineering, there's more opportunities for that. And to race as well, there's more opportunities. Um, it just sucks if you're an F1 fan there, I guess, with the Ferrari deals. But, you know, can't win them all. Yeah, no, for sure. I guess on the topic of uh, social media, we were talking about it briefly earlier. Uh, Dave had a question that he was curious if social media, do you find it influences or hinders your ability to get opportunities? Uh, as a young driver and he he's he's curious has it become harder to show real talent with you know the presence of social media being so important nowadays oh man what a good question yes it is a good question i'm not gonna lie that was a good question that I was really you get, good you get an f1 driver thinking hard about that one i'm not gonna lie. anyway sorry go ahead not for <laughs> sure dude that's wow okay i like questions like that because it makes you think you know um no yeah i I, de- I think it definitely makes an influence you know if you have the content and you're someone who has a lot of money. Um, typically, people who have a lot of money are the ones, or at least companies that have a lot of money, are the ones that create opportunities for a race car driver. Because at the end of the day, um, you can be the best driver in the world, and but you're only going to be driving a UPS truck if you don't have the money to pay your way into a race car at some point, by any means. I mean, it doesn't even have to come from you. It could be coming from someone else, but if the money's not there, you're not going. So, We yeah, apologize um, to all delivery drivers out there listening. Oh yeah, <laughs> no offense, UPS, yeah, or Amazon. Yes, I, mean. I know, man. I know, right? You know, it's got one big break. You know, they're about to strike anyway, so they're not going to be doing much driving. So, you know, it's funny there statistically, they're they're probably the people who are most likely to listen to a podcast because they're driving all day anyway. So that's good. We just shit on them. So it's like <laughs> he's not shit Prime on day just drivers. Like, yeah, he's just saying, I got your back, man. I feel your pain, you know? He's just saying, you're like, instead of an F1 driver, you know, you're like tier three, so it's okay. You're like yeah, the next step down. Yeah, but, uh, maybe the best driver in the world is, is an Amazon driver. I mean, especially on Prime know. Day, they're probably setting purple sectors. Yeah, UPS, I mean, you kind of suck, man. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Got to go to eight houses to deliver TVs and microwaves, but yeah. Um, where was I going with this? Oh, yes. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Delivery drivers, they could be. Fast. I know I totally threw you off. <laughs> yeah, <you> did. <laughs> so that's what we do. Gonna get off on tangents, but but no, yeah. I mean, you know, you're only gonna be driving a delivery truck if you 
can't show or ha- or offer any value to someone or a company that has the money to put you in a race car. That's just what it comes down to at the end of the day. So I don't even consider it to be like social media is what creates opportunities. In reality, it's value. And social media is just one of those forms of value. If you can offer value in any other way as well, um, then in exchange, you could probably get the money to race. One of those other things that I've been doing is coaching. I, I felt that coaching so far has really helped in creating opportunities. Because typically when you're coaching, it's just, you know, some people who maybe are gentlemen drivers or well-off people who just want to track, go on a track day and have fun with their car. But then they've never done anything motorsport related, so they need some help. And then that's where I come in. Because I have that track experience, I can help them out and say, hey, this is how you take the racing line. You should threshold break here. You should th- go on throttle here. You know, keep your eyes at the apex and things like that. And they're like, oh, okay, so this guy knows how to drive. Um, if I ever wanted to get into an endurance racing series, I know who was going to be my second or third driver in the stint, you know? So, um, things like that, if you can offer value in general, I think you're, you're going in the right direction. Um, and so, yeah, I've been trying to take that approach of like saying, okay, I'm going to increase my social media presence because that's going to make me seem like I know what I'm doing. Um, I'm going to make sure that I'm coaching, bring myself on the track because you never know who you're going to meet. Um, and doing things like that. I definitely think it makes an impact. You know, it's all about image. Um, it's all about if you have a look that you know what you're doing, more people are likely to say, okay, this guy probably knows what he's doing. Um, if you're someone who is barely on social media, in this reality in 2023, it's tough to say that you're actually doing it. If you're not posting about it, are you doing it? Um, and in reality, it's, it's an interesting question because you could definitely be doing it, even though you're not posting it. Um, that's kind of what I was doing for the past couple of years until I started actually doing it. But a lot of people didn't even realize that I raced or a lot of people didn't even realize that I was still doing stuff because I wasn't posting it. So I found that posting it has helped me keep, helped keep my name in the conversation. Definitely with people, especially who aren't even into motorsport. They're like, oh yeah, Russell Soto, the guy that's a race car driver. Um, already I've had people in Michigan who I don't talk about racing at all with them. They're just like, my friends outside of motorsport and they they were still like oh i bet russell soto was at the detroit grand prix and i was because i was posting about it so um so yeah social media definitely and it's definitely a really important tool for anyone who wants to make a pro career out of racing or be an entrepreneur in any kind of facet now how has it hindered talent in the industry that's an interesting question as well i think that ultimately if you're good you're good um if you have the talent you have the talent and the results will show um whether or not you can get the results is a different question because getting results means you have to be racing and getting to race means you have to have the money to do it so it's a bit of a double-edged sword like that um there are a lot of people who have really strong social media presence but aren't the best drivers and vice versa Uh, but at the end of the day i mean especially at the top levels, everyone has a social media presence. So I think that it kind of balances out if everyone, because it makes it a level playing field if everyone has really good social media presence and managers who do those things for them. But in the lower levels, I think typically you'll find that the better drivers are the ones that have better social media presence anyway, because they're the ones that are putting in the effort. They're the ones that are working hard. Um, usually that's a sign of like, okay, if this guy's editing videos at night and doing that stuff, he's really dedicated. He probably also works really hard in all the other areas too. 
He's probably also doing laps in the simulator at night. He's also probably studying tracks, studying his onboard videos. So, in, in short, in the high levels, no. In the lower levels, yes, but in a good way. Like, if you, if you have strong social media presence, you're probably working really hard. Or you have the money to pay someone to do it for you. So, there's no real way of knowing. Completely honest with you. Did uh, Norman or Levi? Do you have any other questions for for him? I got a couple, but I'll man, I'm just it. happy he's here, bro. <laughs> it is familiar voice. It's been a long awaited too. Levi didn't do his about, homework. We talked about our list of guests before when we started uh, doing this podcast. I mean, we waited till we you know sounded half decent before we started bringing anybody on. But we, uh, you were definitely on on the list for sure. So I'm happy that we finally end up getting you out here. So that's cool. But uh, yeah, no, I guess I got a couple questions. Um. I guess one of the ones I had is obviously just from seeing your videos, you know, you, you've been, I've noticed you've been editing content and putting out more maybe professional style videos. Like you've got, you know, nice cuts, you know, scenic, uh, scenery, like, you know, uh, there's a word I could, I just can't find it in my small brain, but I, I essentially <laughs> I'm trying to say they're, they're more cinematic. That was the word I was looking for. More cinematic. It's nicer. You know, I'm wondering, do you do that yourself? Or do you pay someone to do that? Have you just recently started doing that? I'm, I'm curious, uh, what you've been doing there just recently started doing it um i just came to a realization it was like it was one of those cases of you're like you're just sitting at home and you're like wait a second why am i not doing this yeah. you know I, i'm scrolling through instagram i see a lot of drivers and they have really cool content i'm like well i've done some pretty cool stuff i've driven a formula four car you know I've, I've driven some pretty cool race cars in my opinion like a ferrari so i'm like well <laughs> i could make something out of that and i could probably get myself into more of those things if I let me, uh, if I let people know that I'm doing it in the first place. So that's kind of what got me into doing it. A lot of my videos are all done by me. Um, almost all pretty cool. the Instagram posts are edited by me. I use a free software because I don't feel like paying. But, uh, you know, it also it's part of the broke race car driver thing, I guess. All my money's going to racing. So uh, I don't, I don't pay for Movie Maker. Um, I use a software called DaVinci Resolve. It's basically like completely free. Oh, um, Resolve's awesome. I use yeah, it Resolve's too. great. I love it, man. I use it. Shout out yeah. to Resolve. Shout out to Resolve, <laughs> yeah. man. Resolve's yeah, DaVinci. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I love it. Um, the, there's only been one post where I've had like um, one of my photographer friends help edit with that. Um, but uh, no, everything has been all me, um, especially for the shootout. I really put in a lot of work for that. Um, just trying to get that right. But even with um, even with how it's been so far, I've still look at look back at my videos. I'm like, oh, okay, there's things I could improve. So it's always still that that mindset of like seeking improvement. I'm a very competitive person, so just naturally I want to continue developing that. But yeah, you know, I I still plan to make more content as well. I'm planning on starting up my Twitch hopefully soon and getting a YouTube channel going. Continuing with the Instagram posts. F1 2023 uh, two-player career mode? Just saying. There's been yeah, talks. We bring it back. We should bring There's it back. Talks. We're in contract right now. Contract talks. We're in the contract oh, yeah. talks. Yeah, me, me and, Ru me and Russell are deciding a, a number here to, to split the the uh, the earnings. It's still, in the, it's still in the womb. It's still in the womb, but it will be born. It will be a, a bright and shiny little baby. <laughs> he gets five cents. I get four. It's just how it yeah, is. No. <laughs> Rumor has that. The big, the big question is, who are what team are you starting with? You can start at the hey. bottom and work your way up. 
I mean, technically, you could say we're going to start from the bottom because we're picking Ferrari. So we're probably <laughs> we're not Ferrari over here. We're, hey, we're I've turning dreams got the to we're turning dreams to reality. We're not going anywhere. So <laughs> <laughs> it's so uh, funny to hear you say that because that's like the slogan I've been using on my videos: like turn the dream into a reality. Yeah, yeah, dude. Anyways, so we're turning the reality into our dreams. So anyways. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, man. Um, I guess uh, another, I got I got two more in this, and then I'm done, I promise. But uh, have you have you thought about venturing off into TikTok? I know that's obviously we've seen TikTok in the last year or two absolutely explode, and lots of people, you know, I'm sure people like Norman are going to absolutely think it's the stupidest thing ever, which is fine. It's Norman. Um, but anyways, <laughs> <laughs> Norman doesn't like a lot of things. But... but <laughs> No, have uh, have you thought about using it at all? Like, I mean, I we I've seen people get huge on it, and you've seen. I mean, even race car drivers have started using it, um, making you know cool videos on it. Just it's it's an easier way to reach people. It's just everyone's on it. Why not post something with the with the potential of it exploding and you getting free popularity, sort of thing? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I love the idea of like my content being out there. Then you swipe up and it's someone's random dog. You know, <laughs> like, <laughs> that's what I'm that, going for. <laughs> that's a cool idea. You know. Um, like a dog doing a dance after seeing me in a race car. Like, oh, oh yeah. But um, no, no, TikTok is definitely a huge platform that I, I've thought about putting myself and I already have a plan as well. Um, once I get enough like Instagram content to all just put that into TikTok um, because it's a similar kind of format with Instagram reels. So I would definitely take advantage of like the same file format, same videos, video style to uh, venture off into that platform too. So there's definitely plans of that as well. I'm glad you brought that up. It's free publicity, man. You know, I mean, technically. Yeah, anything, Just get your man. name out there, and uh, you never know when somebody will be like, yeah, have be you like, seen this Russell Soto guy? Total yeah, Wolf's like, I don't know, man. I don't know. <laughs> Let me check I that heard, guy out. I heard he likes Ferrari, go. so he probably isn't going anywhere. But. <laughs> 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 I would just oh, yeah. Um, I guess my last question um, is pretty, I guess, jumping back into like reality of what we do every day, or every Thursday, I should say. Um, have you thought about pursuing any of the sim racing stuff that comes out? I know, um, you know, we've seen guys like William Byron get into NASCAR just because of his iRacing career. We've even seen guys, you know, jump into, I cannot recall what the top series is called, but it's the Porsche cup cars in iRacing and they run them and somewhat, a, a few guys I know have gotten in there and gone over or even super late models have jumped into a real one and, you know, the translation, it actually worked for them. So uh, have you ever thought about participating with? participating in any of these things that you know our factor two or iRacing puts on and offers you know potential rides and stuff um you know with sim racing being so readily available now is it an option you've thought about pursuing yeah absolutely i mean um the biggest hurdle i would say are the all the esport guys that are like yes this is my thing um and they they know all the secrets and the tricks of being fast in the virtual car um i know that there are a few things that are different between driving a race car and uh, a sim racing car now that not to bash on sim racing, you know, I love sim racing, man. I mean, I do it myself all the time. I have my sim rig right behind me even. Um, but there are guys that definitely know all, all the nooks and crannies of that. Now, I have tried and I and I will continue to try. I actually have this one event coming up called uh, Prodigy Racing or Race Prodigy. Um, as basically, if you win that event uh, where you kind of like have a tournament style of tournament style bracket of drivers competing against each other, um, you get a test in a Radical SR1, I believe, or a Radical racing car. And uh, from that test, you get an opportunity for it towards a professional contract in, in real life racing. Um, so I'm continuing to pursue those opportunities. Um, 
of course, I understand that all these opportunities, including the shootouts as well, are kind of a short way of getting into it. It's kind of like the American Idol of, of race car driving, I guess you could say, where it's <laughs> like, okay, you know, you're just going to go straight into professional motorsport. Um, there are levels, of course, of getting there too, you know, with amateur racing. But, um, but yeah, I do plan to continue doing that because, well, it's free for me to do it, basically. Um, it's available. I can do it. So why not? Um, but at the same time, still grinding, of course. Um, I'm not banking on shootouts and saying, okay, I'm going to put all my eggs in that basket. And then if I don't get it, that's it. Um, never giving up. On a second part of that question, I've, I've always talked about, um, from my experience in all this, which is very little to what you've done. This is where he's um, going to recruit you for his uh, amateur under his team. No. <laughs> Can you discuss the how it's like going from real life to the sim and from the sim to real life and how that translates. Cause I've always told people, in my opinion, coming from real life into the sim does not translate like it does from the sim to real life. So that's a great question. So sim racing, I feel is the ultimate driver's tool. If you can't be in a race car, if you can't afford seat time, sim racing is like, I don't want to say free seat time because if you have a really immersive simulator, you paid money for it. But um, a really immersive simulator is an excellent driver's tool because essentially it's seat time that you could just have at any any moment. You know, it could just be in your house and say, okay, I want to drive a race car, boom, you're in. Um, now, depending on how well of a tool it is, it depends on how much money you've spent to make it immersive. Because um, you could just have a desk chair and a Logitech G37, which is like an entry-level sim racing wheel. Or you could have like direct drive motors, um, hydraulic brake pedals, and full-blown chassis with motion rigs. Um, so I would say that the more immersive a sim is, the better tool it is. Now, in general, um, I would say that there are a few differences if you want to be fast in sim racing versus if you want to be fast in real life. Uh, there's, there's some things that translate very well. Um, for example, the braking technique, I feel the throttle application, um, racing lines, race craft is a huge one that I think transfers very well to real life. Um, I found that every time I enter a real life car, I'd benefit from practicing on the sim first, um, because it gets me into the mindset, the mental aspect of wells as well of racing. Um, having the consistency as well is something that I've learned and actually picked up from racing, just hitting the mark every lap, you know, being within a tenth of a second every lap. It's an important skill if you want to be a competitive driver, and sim racing can definitely help you out with that. Um, however, from my experience, especially as someone who doesn't have a motion rig, um, you're missing the G-forces. That's the main thing that you miss when you're not in a real-life race car and in a sim rig, because in a real-life race car, when you're braking, you can feel your head jolt <laughs> forward. When you're cornering, you feel those lateral Gs. Um, you feel the, the chassis roll and the chassis flex. Um, you, you feel the wall. Yeah, you can feel the wall <laughs> if you hit it, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so it's definitely um, missing a few things in that regard. Um, when I entered a Formula 4 car for the first time, um, it felt really similar to the Sim, I would say, because there it was a very stiff chassis and it didn't have much rule. Um, you know, a downforce car... It was, it was about what it, you would expect, but when I entered a Mustang GT at Lime Rock for the first time in real life, after doing, doing laps and laps in the simulator, it was, a, it was a shock because that car was a very heavy car that would roll going through the corners 
And I wasn't used to that sensation of like, okay, I have to deal with this G-force while looking at the apex. I would just think, okay, from sim racing, I can just look at the apex, turn in. So there are a few things that um, unfortunately don't, tran don't directly translate. But if you're tr using the sim to train for real life racing and you take that into account and say, okay, I know that in real life it's going to feel this way and you prepare yourself for that, then it's the ultimate driver's tool. It's exactly what can help you get lap time in a, in a racing track yeah yeah I, I completely agree i think i think sim to real life helps a lot i think real life to sim you know sim you know as much as you want to call it a sim it's not to the full extent of real life um whether that's limited by game mechanics or whatever but what i noticed is the biggest thing is is racecraft does not translate from sim to real life you're not going to be doing what you're doing at sim in real life um Speaking from experience on Oval, I know a lot of guys in real life, or sorry, in sim, are going to, you know, throw it in below you and they'll have, you know, their bumper in by like an inch. And, you know, in sim, that's fine. They're like, oh, okay, you know, I have the position. They're like, you know, I got the right to the pass. Whereas in real life, you know, that guy's coming down on you. Like, what are you doing, man? <laughs> like, yeah. figure stuff out like that. You know, you go take a guy out by accident, you know, he's going to come knock you out because you just, you know, cost him $100,000 because you wrecked a super late model kind of thing. So there's lots of stuff like that, you know, open wheel, you know, we see crazy moves in sim, um, you know, people diving it in doing, you know, the block passings become a huge thing now. Um, you know, you see it in top levels like formula one, two, and three, but in sim it's caught really bad because, you know, people just put you in a position where it's like, well, I'm going to throw it in so hard that either we're wrecking or you're getting out of the way and I'm making the pass. So I know a lot of people aren't going to do that in real life, you know. I mean, you can. I mean, you see it in F1 and stuff, but it's different. They get everything paid for, right? So that's the difference. But, you know, in real life, you're not going to see that. You're not going to throw it in with the potential chance of breaking your car unless you're going, you know, for the win of some huge event or, or the championship or something crazy. You know, you're not going to put yourself in a position where you're going to, you know, potentially kill yourself making a yeah. stupid move sort of thing. So, uh Anyways, I know I just bashed it for five minutes, but you, you get the point. I think there's a lot of things that directly translate over. Like you said, you touched on a lot of good points there, but there's definitely still some stuff that I think you take a guy who's been sim racing, you put him in the real world, and he tries a couple of things and you're like, and he realizes, you know, hey, that that's not going to work here. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, I just wrecked that guy. He's going to come beat my ass when we get to pit road. <laughs> like, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, I got to be ready for that, so. He can't just um, yell over voice chat. He's actually going to yell in your face. Yeah, yeah, exactly. There ain't no protesting him for, uh, you know, accidentally. For <laughs> sure. Yell, yelling over chat or something stupid. Like, he, he swore I'm protesting him. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, Gregor Hutu comes to mind as someone who translated very well, surprisingly, from The Sim to, to real life. I mean, there was a whole iRacing special years ago where they took him, and he's basically like an iRacing world champion and proper open wheels in iRacing, put him into the Skip Barber Racing School and even a pro Mazda or like a star Mazda, I think it was called at the time. Um, and he was, he was driving pretty well, you know? So, um, so there's that. And then there's, of course, the main guy from the Gran Turismo movie, you know? <laughs> there's always that guy. So, so, yeah, I mean, there's definitely examples out there that show that's a good translation and it's only getting more and more popular, especially after the COVID um, lockdown that, season. That, so, oh, 100%. The spike was huge. Yeah, yeah that, was a, that was a bomb for iRacing, you know, just blew up. Yeah, it was, it was, it was a mixed blessing for sure. Um, yeah, no, I guess, um, 
the other thing I was going to say is I know I know what you're saying with the sim championship stuff and trying to win those championships. There's a lot of, um, you know, in real life racing, you're always looking for an advantage. You're, you know, cheat. everybody bashes cheating when someone gets called out for cheating. That's literally the name of racing. That's how it works. You're going to cheat. You're going to bend the rules. You're going to do as much as you can to try and get as much of an advantage as you can because that's literally the whole name of the sport. Um, in sim racing, you know, there's still cheating, you know, we've heard of grip hacks and stuff, you know, there's ways to combat it with, you know, session temps and stuff, but there's also stuff like tire dipping, something stupid that you can abuse the game mechanics. Like as an example at Silverstone, um, Ray was telling me this one thing he did in qualifying where you could dip your left front tire in the grass at, um, it's the fast corner, the, the really Cop. fast right-hander as a cops. Yeah. At cops. And you could, by doing that, you wouldn't have to lift and it would give you like another degree or two of rotation. And it was just like stuff like that. You're just like, I would have never figured that out no matter how much practice I ran. So, <laughs> and you know, it gained him like a 10th and you're just like, that's a, that's huge. Like, you know what I mean? So it's like stuff like that. It gets limits you, which, which sucks. So I definitely know your, uh, your pain there in that sense. Yeah, especially for me, right? Because I use it as a training tool for the real thing. So I want realism in my sim. You know, I'm, of course, I still compete in sim racing and I love the competitive aspect of it. But the first and foremost reason why I got a sim was so I can get seat time for when I, when it's time for me to get into a real car, I'm ready or I can have a way of practicing for that. For sure. Um, anywho, we should probably jump into our regular podcast here. We're probably about 50 minutes into the, into the Russell spree. So that was cool. We're happy to have. <laughs> Happy to have you on. I mean, I'm sure we can think of some more questions for potentially the future. Or, I mean, hey, if we have time in the end, we can talk more too. But, yeah. uh, you, you're going to stick around there, Russell? Yeah, you're going to stick hey, around there. Awesome. Yeah, I'm, I'm not bored of you guys yet. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I said, yeah, I'll just leave, whatever. I'll just leave. <laughs> Eventually, <laughs> I will be. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, I guess let's jump into our normal NASCAR. Um, Unfortunately, I don't have a whole lot on it. I mean, it it was overall a pretty solid race. Um, it you know we had the rain affect us for you know the second week in a row, unfortunately. Um, but instead of ending the race, they just moved it to Monday. Uh, so that was good, but crappy. I know a lot of people didn't end up getting to watch it because you know it ran at noon on Eastern time on Monday. So it's such a weird deal when they do that. I I mean I know they got to and, and they got to do it on Monday oh, or nothing, and and luckily it was they were able to get it in. But it's always a weird feel. feel. Yeah, it's hard to by by that point too. The like the logistics and the you know the the TV yeah. broadcasting that goes into it. The only probably available time slot for them to do it is like a noon time or something like that, right? So yeah. you kind of get shafted in the sense of yeah, it would have been great if it was Monday night, but you know they can't always do that with what's going on. And New Hampshire doesn't have lights either, does it? Mm, yeah, no, no not yeah, to my so knowledge. There's, there's no option of running late, but uh, yeah, no Monday race. I mean. It was pretty good considering I, I always think New Hampshire provides a good product on track. I mean, you honestly, no matter what they do to the cars, I feel like you can't ruin New Hampshire. Um, you know, Norman might attest to that, but. I got a question because I, I watched the extended highlights, but I noticed it looked like the first three lanes in the turns were um, <laughs> paved, repaved, but they didn't repave the upper lanes. Uh, you know what? I actually didn't look at that. I'm going to go look at that right now and just see what the heck it looks like because I didn't notice that at all. Oh, yeah, the three bottom ones. Yeah, they might have repaved it. Um, I know that helped because, you know, I did notice they were running 
the bottom lanes more than they did before. And I think that that helped because it used to be you were pretty much always running pretty high up there. Um, yeah. It was always, you know, for, you know, a, a top feeder for the most part. Um, but yeah, no, there was grip everywhere. It made it interesting. I mean, the bottom line still not the preferred line. You know, it's a flat track. It's never going to be the preferred line. Um, but again, I, I thought there was lots of passing. Um, we saw our boy MTJ do solid there. He swept stage one, two, and he won the race. Um, Dude's continuing to have a really, really phenomenal season. He is. He picked up the pace, man. I'll be honest with you. I don't know what happened in the background, but I bet you there was like possibilities of him losing his drive. And I really think that just like lit a fire under his ass. Cause I mean, you know, for the, I like, I like tricks. I have nothing against this guy, but for the most part, he's always been a pretty average driver. You know, he's, he's better than he's good enough to be on that, you know, all time greatest 75 list. I don't actually know if he got voted in, but he had 36 wins. So he's already probably better than 75 of the other drivers that are below that. So he's definitely a good driver, but he's always been pretty average. And if you look at him throughout the years, he's always been, you know, decent, nothing crazy. I mean, he did have that. Did he end up taking the championship in 2018? Exactly. Or? Oh, 2017. That's what it was. I was like, is he a 2017 I know that's close. It's all good. That was like five years ago. That was a long, or, well, that was six years ago, but 18 was like five years ago. That was a long time ago. Yeah, was I, was like, I, was like, I was like 12 or something, so it's all good. Um, <laughs> it always seems like he's got a good sponsor too, which kind of goes back to what Russell said. You know, I mean, the money money makes the world go around. Seems like Tracker Boats and Bass Pro and all that group really, really enjoys him and like sponsoring him and helping him out. So I'm sure that goes along with it. But like you said, that can only go so far. Um I mean, like you said, he had good years, especially, I mean, he's a champion. He won eight races that year, so, but it only goes so far if you, if you don't have backing, but uh, I'm sure that's something, I, I, something had to have happened, because if I remember right, he won the Coliseum this year, right? Yes. The, the exhibition race, and I think, I think that's when a guy named Levi on a podcast said that I think he's going to have a pretty good season this year. Hey, you know what? I actually, when I was going back and I was getting the bin it in it and win it picks, I did hear you say that. And I was like, you know, he's fucking right. I'm just saying. It don't, it don't happen that right. much, but when it does, hey, I'm yeah, going to tell you about it. Embrace it while you can. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, three wins. He's having a solid season. And hey, I mean, I, New Hampshire is the closest track to Phoenix. You know what they say? Whoever wins New Hampshire, they, they might be good at Phoenix. That's something to keep in mind if he can make it to the championship for I would be happy to see him win another championship. Maybe keeps him in the sport a little while longer. I mean, there was there was thoughts he was going to leave for a while there. So he's looking good now. I mean, he's the top of the points, right? He is. He's lead, he is the new championship leader. Which, by the way, the top four, three of them are JGR. Just saying, Joe Gibbs Racing is killing it right now. Wow, you are. Well, you got to go pretty far down there to find a four, don't you? Yeah, how's Blaney doing now? He was remember he was leading. He's the top four. He's the top forward. I mean, he is, but he's like seventh right now. He's so seventh, sad. and he's he's almost a hundred points out of the lead. It's crazy. Yeah, no, it's yeah. I just it's. I gotta say, going back to Truex, past six years, he has placed first, three seconds, seventh, and then last year was his worst year at seventeenth. So he's not actually doing that bad in the past six years. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. He's definitely stepped it up in the last, yeah, like you said, six years, something like that. I mean, that's when we, that's kind of when we started like really seeing Martin Tricks Jr. was, you know, right around 2016, 17 was when he got super good. So, 
Yeah, but it'd be, it'd be cool to see him again pop off. I mean, it's like you were it. saying though, something happened this year. Something, a switch has been flipped somewhere with oh, that man. Um, I know he broke up with this chick. Maybe she was holding him down. I don't know. Oh yeah, that's so, right. Wasn't that was that last year? Yeah, something like that. But uh, which is crazy because they were together forever. I yeah. mean, as long as I can remember seeing him, I've never seen her. But anyways, you know what? This isn't a love podcast. I mean. So yeah, we already have the safety podcast. Yeah, we already have the safety so podcast. Not... <laughs> I'm not trying to get into like love lives in NASCAR. <laughs> yeah, I mean, as far as NASCAR goes, I think that, like you said, yet again, it's a decent weekend. It was a decent race. Um, I mean, there was a couple of, I, I don't know, there's a couple of things. The only thing I can think of is I saw a post which didn't show up much on if you just tuned in for the old uh, highlights and that kind of thing. I don't think they showed it much, but um, Priest McDowell got into it. Of course, NASCAR loves the little rivalries because they do have fenders and they can use them. Um, I just thought it was kind of funny because McDowell came up behind him, kind of putting that little half like arm around his shoulder, like, hey, bud, I'm just going to tell you something. McDowell was like, who's this behind me? And once he figured out it was McDowell, he like pushed him off, like, no, dude, you're not going to apologize. We're not going down this road, dude. Like, not today. And he was like, no, 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 let me talk to you. And you, you couldn't hear it because it was a zoomed in version, but you could. You can imagine what the conversation was. And I just thought it was funny because Priest was like having zero of it. He's just like, no, you know what you did? You drove way too hard in the corner. You slid up. You took me out. It's all good, bro. But anyways, as far as that stuff goes, I think that was probably as much as it goes in the, uh, what I like about it, the fist fighting and the things that are thrown at each other (laughs) after the race. I mean, speaking about Priest, man, he's been having a rough year too. He's, he's, you know, 26th in points right now. He's not, he's not doing too good, but he's a good driver. Like we know he's good. So something's going on there. You know what? To our listeners who actually listen to what I say, I did good on Truex. I didn't do good on Priest. Okay. So I told you he was probably the next big thing and, uh, maybe not this year. Maybe not this year. There's always next year. So there's always next year. Hey, but you know what, man? I, you know, I probably sound like a broken record, but I'm just saying every race this year has been good. Atlanta was, I know I wasn't here for that podcast. Atlanta was solid. I mean, I know the rain changed it because we didn't know when it was coming, but hey, I, I will be the first to admit that I thought Atlanta was the stupidest thing ever when they told me they were making a super speedway. Yeah. That, that was good, bro. That could replace Daytona as the finale before the, no. the, the playoffs. Well, no, before the playoffs, before the playoffs. No, I could see it. What do you mean? No, it's a it's a, it's a a gimmick for a gimmick. Who cares at this point? Oh, Come yeah. on, no. <laughs> it's all now, the same. Now, I think about the, about the, the four hundred needs to go back to on the fourth. Oh, here we go. He's one of those guys, isn't he? Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, it's Norman. You know what I mean? Don't even, don't even like dust. Take the dust off it. Just leave it sitting there. Don't move to, it. To to be honest with you, though, like, what race could you put before the final four cut off? That like would be entertaining. Like from an entertaining standpoint, I totally understand. But from like a from like a like an actual regular comp- competitive standpoint, like what what else could you put there that would provide a good race? You could do a short drag. It's just going to be a caution fest. Like what's the difference? Yeah. You know what I mean, true, are you gonna true, throw a, true, a boring you going to throw a boring intermediate or a mile and a half? Like I don't know. Please don't. I I think a super speedway makes sense. It is what it is. Yeah. You could like be upset said, about me, the only it. Two I don't really care. That- the only two things that me and Norman had to say against that was that Atlanta shouldn't be a super speedway because it's not technically a super speedway because it has to be like two or more miles or whatever. But uh, yeah, no, <laughs> I, they just changed the name from super speedway to like super fast yeah. race ray, raceway or something. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, yeah, 
Anyway, no, you got a good point there. I mean, it, it is a fun track, and it's new. It's crisp. Why not move it to right before the playoffs to get everybody kind of back in excitement and whatnot? All right, so I guess let's roll into uh, some IndyCar now. I know our our our, our IndyCar guru, Norman, you probably got a lot to talk about this week. We actually had a pretty eventful race from what I saw. I watched it this week, so hopefully you're proud of hey. me. I mean, just, just the highlights, but I will yeah. say I did see like lap 40 to 50 live, so that has to count <laughs> for something, right? Yeah. Okay, uh, it's better than Levi probably. Let's be, he didn't watch shit. Let's be real here. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I so, like normal, that. this is going to be uh, a section of me talking to myself. This is Norman um, segment. <laughs> because <laughs> no one watches IndyCar, so no one really knows what happens. So when I try to discuss something, no one knows what's going on. But uh, IndyCar, we'll, we'll start off with the sections that none of them know about. That qualifying went crazy because how IndyCar qualifying goes, most people already know, but you have your round one and round two, and then you get into the fast 12 and the fast six. Well, at the end of the first round, the rain came. And actually, Blow was the last to finish um, qualifying, but the rain had started. So on dries, he had no grip. So the drivers who finished first had the grip still right before the rain got there with a rubbered in track. You know how it goes, fastest laps. Um, so Polo actually, our championship leader and three in a row winning, starts 15th for this race. And it's a street course in Toronto. Oh, Canada. <laughs> hey, Canada's great. Shut up. Still speed in Canada, though. The rain delayed some of qualifying or the next round, and they got it back going. People started on wets, went through the first few rounds, or round two was wet. Then they got to the 12. It was still wet. And then um, Pato Ward, I think, started the fast six on dries and came out and actually showed that he was running lap times with guys on wets. So everyone came back into pits, and grabbed dry tires, which was a disadvantage to him because his dries had more laps on them at the end of qualifying. You didn't have time to change them. Um, so I think it's only like a six-minute um, or ten-minute round. Uh, Christian Lingard was the final driver to cross the line, rubbered in dry track on fresh Flicks got Christian Lingard, the um, Lungard, the uh, pole. So, very crazy qualifying. We get into the race, and we have a street course, so we have a wreck on lap one. Turn one, right? No. Uh, I don't know what turn it is. I don't know the track that well. So, so they made up for, through a few, so that's, yes. that's better than usual. Um. But on this particular turn, if you go straight, you go through, and Antonio should know all this because it's Canadian thing, this archway. And, but because it's like narrow, they don't make you turn around and come back out. They give you a <laughs> bypass around the track. Don't they have one like that at Long Beach too in real life? When no. you blow the, I thought they had something like a, 
Hold on. Are we talking about that thing where you like cut the corner and you can go through and you go like behind the, like a different way? It's, it's similar to that. that. So, so what it is, it's a runoff, but instead of being a tire barrier or something at the end, they actually kick you back out around the track. Yeah. But it's very, very narrow. You can't fly through there at full speed by any means. I thought Long Beach had something like that at that turn before the fountain sec. They're not the fountain, the hairpin section there. No? Maybe. Uh, Oh. You can't I get around. It, it cuts off. You have to come back out onto the track. You have to turn around and come to the track. Regardless. Unless they just added it. Uh, I'm probably wrong. Let's be real. Okay, anyways, go ahead. It's all uh, good. <laughs> <laughs> um, so he did take the turn, but they tried to go three wide through that turn, and I forget who was all involved, but um, I forget the <laughs> IMSA driver that was driving this weekend. Yeah, or, are you sure you watch the Reeves? <laughs> <laughs> but um, he ended up checking up and throwing it in reverse. He did rear end a car very lightly, kept the car running, got in reverse, reversed back around the track because the track's blocked at this time, and takes the bypass to pass everyone and stay on the lead lap. Oh, I did see that. Actually, that was pretty smart. I did see that. That was cool. And I, I got to give him that's. That's knowing the situation where you are on track and using it to your advantage. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think it was Tom Bloomquist was the guy you were thinking of. Yes. Yeah. So it, it looks like it was Ryan Hunter Ray, Tom Bloomquist, uh, Ferrucci, Benjamin Peterson, and then yeah. Graham Ray Hall. He backed it up though. So, yeah. Um, unfortunate for Tom being his first ever IndyCar race, but he did show pace in qualifying and I think we might see him actually come out of IMSA next year and join an IndyCar team, which will be really cool. Hey, Kiel. Um, But we'll jump more towards the end of the race. So we had a couple of cautions there towards the end. And this is happening right, right at you can hit your fuel number. You can pit under caution and you can make it. The crazy thing is, and this is actually shocking, um, Scott McLaughlin and Scott Dixon, both New Zealanders, both named Scott, stay out. And they already were in the top five. I think it was a bad strategy call. Yeah, I um, mean, there's being too safe, but at the same time, you're in the top five, top ten. Why not just come in with everybody? Like, yeah. what are you really gaining there? You you knew you knew everyone was gonna pit. They didn't. They still did a great recovery drive. I think Scott Dixon finished sixth or fifth. Um, I actually pull up the results right here. Oh, actually, Scott Dixon finished fourth, and Scott Mullockin got back to sixth. Um, after having to do a green flag pit stop to finish the race to take fuel and tires. See, that frustrates me more. That shows that their cars had speed. Yes. you know, like. It just seems like it was a waste, but now there were a lot of back up there. There were a lot of cars having to do fuel save there at the end, um, but it it's tough. Definitely being in Scott Dixon, he's second in points, and his teammate Alex Pillow has run away with the championship. Um, you know, it's it's kind of a tough one. Um, but I guess the craziest thing that happened in that whole race was. Um, Below had a great recovery run. Um, Cautious did help him, but he didn't need them. He was there um, 
for a great drive and finishing second. Uh, amazingly, to show how good this driver is, um, I'm hoping they put this in the highlights that y'all saw. Um, he actually, on the second, the last caution, um, to dodge it, took wing damage by on rear-ending a car. Uh, and I think he might have touched the wall. His wing was literally being held on by the vinyl wrapping when he crossed the finish line to finish this race. Which, at a street course, front down force is king. Yeah. Yeah. And no, I get you. The only car he could not defend <laughs> was the race-winning Christian Lingard. Um, everyone, everyone else, he held off. He held off Colt or heard a he held off Will Power, who had um, fresh tire, fresher tires than him, and an amazing drive. I, you know, coming from fifteenth to second and have your wing pretty much falling off your car. Um, it was a. A fantastic race overall, though. But since no one else really watched it, I guess my discussion points are useless. <laughs> no, that's a good run from Pelo. Um It's unfortunate he couldn't, you know, actually pull off the win. But for fifteenth to first at a road course, that's saying something. It is not easy to pass, especially competitively like Indy. I mean, these cars are pretty good. I mean, all the way through the field, especially top twenty. So. He also had a really good. They asked him in the interview um, after qualifying. I think we maybe we y'all can get into a discussion here. They asked him, "Did the rain affect you in qualifying?" And he actually, I thought, a very humble driver. And I think um, Russell, you can get on in on this. He actually said, "No, I didn't do what I had to do when I had to do it, and that's the reason why I didn't make it to the next round." Yeah, definitely. I mean. Um, especially when you're battling for a championship, it's a season long game, you know, every round counts. I mean, even though it might feel like, oh yeah, you know, I have a couple rounds left towards the end of the season. If you're not pushing the entire way through that round where you were slacking or where you were just not performing is going to really show in the final title fight. So every round counts. And I think, uh, Alex particular this season, been having a really strong seasonal consistency. I mean, he's won a couple of races this year. Um, so he has that game down. He understands the importance of every race and maximizing it. Um, and, ha and that's going to mean something for his title fight. How hard is it as a driver to not blame the rain, but blame yourself when you have that out? Oh, so easily, you know, and I think a lot of drivers, a lot of people who spectate racing as well, kind of overlook the mental aspect of it, I think, but it's just very easy when you're, especially in the professional level, having a lot of people who are working for you, you know, you have a group, just groups and teams of engineers, you know, tons of sponsors putting money down for this and it all comes down to you. And that's a huge responsibility to carry. Um, so it's very easy to blame for yourself when all the results go down, but you have to remember at the end of the day that not everything is in your control. And that part of being a driver is being able to adapt to when things aren't going your way and still maintain the mindset of, okay, I'm going to make the most of this. Um, because at the end of the day, you got to work with the cars that you're dealt. And uh, a lot of these drivers are able to do that, especially Alex this season. I think he's been putting on a great show. So, Great answer, by the way. I like that a lot. Thank you. Yeah. Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I know. <laughs> I guess to 
to really wrap up IndyCar, like I mentioned, um, Christian Lingard, um, racing for, um, Ray Hall Letterman, um, racing got his first IndyCar win this weekend. So congrats goes out to him. Um, but I think that wraps up IndyCar at Toronto. I, I felt it was a very good race and would like to encourage the, the rest of the podcast to start watching some more IndyCar so we can have more discussions on it. Don't Absolutely. you worry about that. that. Yeah, I guess yeah. Russell's one. definitely watch more IndyCar guys. I mean, I I missed this last race, but I was actually <laughs> oh, at the Grand Prix of Detroit, and that was a that was an interesting ride. You know, it's a great it's a great race. It's a great sport, very accessible to fans. If you ever are able to go to one of the races, they let anyone into the paddock. Um, I don't know if maybe it was just a Detroit thing, but there were like people who had never heard of racing, and they were like with the teams in the tents, like talking to them, and I was like, wow, this is that's something you'll never see enough one. You know, so. yeah, that's nuts. That's crazy. That's what it's all about, man. And the, and the drivers there, um, I got the opportunity to meet like Marcus Erickson and Will Power and um, one of my favorite drivers, um, James Hinchcliffe, that weekend. And nice guys, very approachable. Um, exactly what you would imagine they would be in real life. So yeah, for anyone who's interested in IndyCar, check it out. Um, definitely give it a try. Can't recommend it enough. Yeah. Next uh, race is what, Saturday? 22nd yes. Saturday. Um, we have the duels in Ohio, so we'll run Saturday and Sunday. Oh, okay. We have two races this weekend. Two fifties, is that right? Yes. Yeah. Nice, nice, nice. Double weekend. Is that is that something normal for every season they do that? Yes. They've they run a dual weekend uh last five years, I want to say, of what I've known. I think I'm you know, when I really got into it, but yeah. No, uh, I we're back. We're back to the oval. Um, we only have, Hey, this, this is the last oval of the year too. Maybe. No. We have gateway left. This just in our IndyCar guru does not in fact know where we're going. He said, Oh, schedule. Uh, no, I knew we were going to Iowa this weekend because yeah, going to Iowa. Iowa. Pretty sure that's I a home with like a lot of corn. I, I did. I was trying to remember if we had another oval left, and we do. We have to still go to Gateway August twenty seventh. I like Gateway. How, how does Gateway run? I mean, I know this is the stupidest thing ever because I should know IndyCar, but I don't. But is uh, did, did any cars run good at Gateway? I mean, it, yes. it seems to be a good track at NASCAR. I mean, nice flat tracks are always cool. So, um, it's. It's almost like Texas. Once the lo- once you get long green flag runs, it's really hard to pass because it's really sketchy to get offline because of the rubber buildup. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, but, and he's always struggled with that on ovals, having the that's yeah. Sick. But it's fast, so it's you know, it's still entertaining. Um, and you get those the cautions can help open the racing back up. For any of the guys who only watch road racing like myself, uh, would you guys like to talk about the difference in oval racing between like heavier NASCARs and open wheels and single seaters? Like how does it translate between the different cars with oval racing? Different strategy or I, I'm trying to think of like a few people that have done it over the years. Uh, back in the day it was like your like, AJ Foyts. Uh, did Jeff Gordon yeah, actually I- race in an IndyCar? 
Or no, we were, he just ta- we were just talking about this during that Indy 500 preview. I think we did. he, I think he tested. Um, I think he tested, but he's also tested an F1 car, which is hilarious. And there's a kind of a goofy story. He tried to bring his own helmet, and it was trying to pull his head off, pretty much. So he had to borrow somebody else's helmet in the pits so that his head wouldn't pop off because oh, wow. the, the like the uh, air pressure air was trying to pull his helmet up because it was just built different. Anyways, um. Stewards from useless both. knowledge and no knowledge actually to be used on a daily basis. But uh yeah, Tony, so AJ Tony Stewart ran both. Tony Stewart, he he was the first Same one I remember day doing both. Too. Yeah, yeah, Same Danica and Charlotte. Dan, Danica Patrick, Juan Pablo. <laughs> did Juan Pablo, right? <laughs> yes. Um he's actually raced F one NASCAR and um Indy among other things. <laughs> I'm sure I'm missing a bunch of them. Jimmy Johnson, oh. right? Um yeah. Travis Pastrana, right? And was he in Indy? Did uh, he try Indy? Travis has not done Indy. Is he going to do Indy? I thought there was like a talk around him doing Indy. It might have been just him and NASCAR doing, <laughs> doing Daytona stuff. But there's been a bunch. Um, I mean, shoot. All I can talk to is that, by the sim, that. and it's completely different. Um, and, and the biggest thing, and I know that y'all can be like, that's not the biggest thing. The biggest thing for me was like trying to race Indy, you know, um, having to take care of your tires so much more than NASCAR at an oval. Like that's not really an, a thing in an oval at NASCAR. Um, you can go all race no, long, like, not change your tires all that much. Antonio's Antonio not agreeing not with me right there. He can go uh, 20 laps a Daytona and has to come change his tires. I need that. Are you sure about that? Meme? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm saying on the sim, on the sim, I don't really ever remember having to change half a well, Daytona. Yeah, I mean, that's what I'm saying. And like, I, I'm talking about like the big, big ovals. So, but I haven't really raced any uh, anything else Indy, except for like you know, the uh, the uh, Indy cars, except for Indianapolis track. So that's all I can attest to. But it seems like it's way different. I think yeah, I think it's one of those things where it's just like any series in any car has its own like meta of racing it. Um, so like Indy car, for example it's significantly different with how much draft plays in effect. You know, like down the straightaway, they're driving towards the inside of the track. Like in NASCAR, if you did that, people are going to be like, what the fuck are you doing, bro? Like the line's up here. So like there's just stuff like that. Um, you know, dirty air, as big as it is in NASCAR with the cars now, it's huge in an Indy car. I mean, you see it at, uh, hell, we've experienced it firsthand in the Indy 500s on iRacing. Like it's terrible. Yeah. Um, so it's definitely... To eat, each series has, you know, its own challenges, but they're definitely totally different. Like pit strategies and everything seem to be different. Um, you know, passing, even passing is harder because you can't touch the guy in an Indy car. Whereas, you know, NASCAR, you could, you know, you can, you can slide through the corner drifting, tandem drifting and, you know, still make it sometimes depending on how good the, good the skill is there. But yeah, no, they're both cool in their own regards, though. Like, I think from a, you know, from me predominantly being a NASCAR fan, like, you know, you can totally respect IndyCar drivers on a noble line, how much of a challenge it is. And I think a lot of IndyCar fans can can respect NASCAR drivers. I mean, I hope they do. A lot of people don't, but I hope they do because uh, it's it's definitely, you know, hard, maybe just as hard. So, well, that's awesome to hear, especially with, um, with you mentioning the arrow as well. I think that was something that I want to bring up is that even me, someone who doesn't necessarily follow NASCAR too closely, I've noticed the significant changes in aerodynamics over the years. Um, with the current generation of what's being raced in NASCAR, you have a lot more aero than I think there used to be. Um, I was wondering if that maybe 
close the gap a little bit more towards um, the driving technique um, compared to single seaters that, of course, are very aero dependent um, in terms of driving technique. I mean, um, yeah, I'm not someone who follows NASCAR necessarily. Um, shout out to my boy Stephen Melosi though, who does race NASCAR. But <laughs> um, but yeah, interested to hear your thoughts. I, I will say from a perspective of downforce, um, NASCAR has obviously significantly jumped into the downforce market over the last, you know, couple generations of cars. Um, right. You know, we saw from the Gen 4s, which is, you know, your stereotypical late model body, um, you know, your Gen 4 Monte Carlo, everybody knows those cars because that's what they ran. Late 90s, early 2000s, um, hell, even to the late 2000s. Didn't they run that car till like 07 or something? Anyways. Yeah, I mean, if anybody outside of NASCAR needs to know, that's when, that's what most of the cars when you see Jeff Gordon, like, you know, the, the rainbow the warrior car. car, it was the one that he won so much in. And yeah, that's kind of the one you yeah, see. Look up Gen 4 car, you'll know what I mean. But yeah, no, after, after the Gen 4 era, um, you know, and the safety improvements with, you know, Gen 6 and 7 and sorry, we're on 7 now, right? Fuck, I can't remember. Anyways. <laughs> Gen 6, uh, man, it's now seven. you got me we're tripping. Seven. We're on 7, 100%. Anyways, they, they definitely jumped into um, the downforce market now, huge. Um you know, they even squared out the car. The car, I don't know if you know, but the the right side of the car actually used to be on an angle to create side force. So when they went to road courses, there was actually an aero imbalance in that regard. Um, you know, they probably did stuff to combat it. I'm just talking out of my ass here, but um, they've definitely stepped it up. Let's put it that way. I was actually talking about this last podcast. I think they're going towards more of, you know, they're still going to keep it ovals. Like we're still NASCAR. We're still drinking beers on a Sunday, running around an oval. But they're definitely pertaining more towards like sports cars or like V8 supercars. Um, I mean, hell, you saw it. Shane Van Gisbergen came in and won the Chicago Street Course. And, you know, we when we compare the two cars, they're actually relatively similar. Like he probably had the most experience on a road course in that kind of car there. So, you know, him winning was no surprise. Um, well, so, yeah, and yeah. Them, them getting it close to a sports car. I mean, they ran Le Mans, you know, and was very they competitive. They ran Le Mans. Exactly. Yeah. Like, what does that tell you? So they're definitely trying to branch out, I think, into a wider scope of what they want to race. I mean, you see them venturing into street courses. You see them running a lot more road courses now. I mean, we used to run Watkins Glen and Sonoma only. What do we got now? Like seven or eight road courses. We got, you know, Circuit of the Americas. We got the Indy Road Course. We have Watkins Glen still. We have yeah. Sonoma still. We ran Road Chi America. Chicago. What? Oh, <laughs> yeah, the bulletproof windows came in use there, but, um, there you go. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I do think, uh, I was telling the guys, you know, I, I think they're going in the right direction. I mean, I, I don't want to see them step away from short track oval racing. It's, you know, what the whole United States is born and bred on for racing. Like, where do you go Saturday night? Your local short track. You really go watch it a road course, not the shit on road courses. We love them, but, um, it's uh, it's it's definitely improved. Let's put it that way. From where we were 10, 15, 20 years ago. Yeah, because if I remember right, the Gen Four car, and Norman, you might be able to attest to this, and Antonio might remember. But um, they had like three different iterations. You had like your super speedway car, you had like a regular just oval car, and then you actually had a road course car. And I remember looking at the uh, the road course car looked like a normal car, if I remember right. But like your your just regular mile and a half oval mile one mile tracks was like the nose was super super slanted and like anyways the only reason i knew this is because they actually brought two of them down to texas like you had your road course car for somebody and then like a little ways away was like another branded roped off car and i was like what the heck is the difference and then i got to like looking at them and they had like where they raced them 
and you could tell that one of them was a road course car and the other one was like a uh, regular mile and a half car. So they actually built different cars, not just different setups, um, because I think the era was so crap. You know what I mean? It wasn't a good product back then that they had to build different cars to do different things. But um, now, you know, we're, like you said, we're in with the Aero and, and uh, shoot, I know I keep up with Chevys more than anything, but what they did with the streetcar, the ZL1 uh, Camaro with all the air tunnels and, and the aerodynamic stuff that they did inside that car to make it do what it does on a street or on a, you know, weekend track. Um, sure, I think that goes into helping NASCAR and stuff, so. Yeah. On that, you know, I don't know if you remember this, Levi, but like back in the early 2000s, you would actually see the NASCAR actually skewed at super speedways. Oh, cra- crabbing down the backstretch and stuff. Yeah, where yeah. the rear end was actually crabbed in the, or crabbed to the left. So when they drove down, they would actually drive the freaking left side of the car. I really hate it. So when it ducked into the turns, it would actually like the car would actually even out. Um, they did that with the Gen Sixes too. I remember that. That yeah. was huge. Yeah, and it, it was it was bad. Uh, trucks. It seemed like it was more prominent in the yeah. old trucks because I think it's because they had a bed back there. You know, it wasn't the uh, slope for like the back yeah. glass and all that stuff. But it was actually like just a truck bed kicked out there. But uh, but yeah. it, it helped them carry speed to the turns. They didn't have as much aero drag in the turns. But well, they used, to, they used to be such boxes. I remember I've told this before on, uh, I just thought it was hilarious, but Michael Waltrip one time, um, this will tell you how, how, uh, redneck this, uh, NASCAR thing is Russell. So it was Michael <laughs> Waltrip. It was probably like maybe 10 years ago, eight years ago, but his, uh, they figured out that if you did it in, just pushed in a little bit in front of the front fender on the outside, it actually gave a little bit of kick or help you get around the corner, but they wouldn't let you do it with the template. So they, they really taught their uh, their Jackman how to accidentally kind of give it a little when he went around there and like kicked in the side of the car literally to help out with aerodynamics. Like that's how Red Dagger is like, when you go around there that first time, you just give it that knee right there, right there on the side there behind the door. That's wasn't right. There, wasn't there time periods too where they were doing crazy stuff like hitting the wall to like bend stuff to make it give you an advantage? It was crazy. There's so much stuff. Oh, who else did it? Was it Hendrick What they put the back window in and it was like this plastic that once you got running at super speedway speeds, it would actually bow in and it would, it would drag more air onto the back hey, spoiler. I remember it, down. it was crazy. There was if so y'all much can cool find stuff. it, I think I found it and posted to you guys, but uh, Chad Canals was leaned in on Jimmy Johnson's car right before the race. And he said, if you win it, you have to smash up the rear end. You have to hit the rear end on the back of it. Like when you're doing burnouts. And he's like, what? And he's like, you have to destroy the back end before you come back. I remember that. Race. Yeah, he's like, it's going to fail. Really? <laughs> and he goes, yeah. He goes, it's that bad? And he goes, yeah, it's that bad. You have to destroy the back of the car before they see it. He goes, okay. Wow. <laughs> I remember that. That was funny. Yeah. it's it, like, it, it was an in-car. I think they knew the camera was there, but I don't think they knew it had audio. And if I, I'll try to find it and post it up in our uh, our uh, oh Discord. I and remember let y'all seeing watching YouTube. Cause it was good, dude. It's great. Cause you can see Jimmy's face like in the in the helmet. He just looks at him and looks back, looks again, like Riz, are you serious? That bad? <laughs> like, but uh, what I liked about it was at least if they were cheating, which everybody knows they were, they got caught numerous times, but and, and it's just racing. Um he didn't know about it. You know what I mean? Uh he was just out there doing his thing, apparently. So anyway. Do you guys remember the uh so you remember the back window? You remember how they caught it though? 
it was off of like the glare looked weird in the camera shot. So one of the team didn't one of the teams like protest it. Yes, I remember that was so funny. I was like, damn, they really caught it off the glare on the back window. I'm like, that's crazy. Yeah. Hey, that oh. guy's rear window looks weird. Go look at that shit. <laughs> <laughs> now, now Good it's the epitome. If you ain't cheating, you ain't right. Well, it used to be if you ain't cheating, you ain't racing. Yeah, yeah, now you sure were only trying to win. So much if you cheat now. Oh my gosh, they yeah. destroy you now. Too bad, but. Well, that goes back to what we were talking about, you know. Uh, maybe that's why the crew chiefs get tossed for numerous races because they finally got oh, tired of it. I, but that's what made it fun, man. You knew they were doing oh, yeah. it. You just had to get caught, you oh. know. I think the problem is the cheats now are so complex that they give you such a huge advantage. So I think they're trying to tell you to chill the fuck out kind of thing, you know. <laughs> There's a lot Great. of good YouTube videos on old old nineties and early two thousands cheats and they're freaking hilarious. We need we need to pin that. Maybe that's another uh, special we can do. Yeah, the cheating in NASCAR and whatnot. Just pin that for another we episode. Should, we should we should do some technical analysis of NASCAR because I'll be honest with you, man. There's a lot of people who don't know how much actually goes into like NASCAR. They just see dudes running around in circles, but it's like. Man, there's so there's stuff that's so little that's huge, and like you would know as like an engineer, Russell. Like for example, like like for example, I was telling the people at um at about you know my racing because you know they're ta- we we're talking about camber and how camber is huge, and uh, I was telling them that you know when you're driving a short like a you know medium to shorter oval, I'm like you don't actually want to drive dead straight down the straightaway because you're yeah technically scrubbing because of the camber, like you're scrubbing speed off. You want to actually you know take the corner at like a for for i don't know how i can describe it to someone who's audio listening but imagine you drive it like a d oval as opposed to a straight oval even though the track is a regular oval so you want to always be turning a little bit because you're you know scrubbing speed you're if you don't so it's just little things like that like if if you told someone the amount of detail that goes into it like they, they don't even know half they don't even know they don't even know 90 percent of it like I was telling them that they were blown away. I was like, damn. I was like, I just told you one fact about oval racing. You think it's cool now? I'm like, that's goes to show you how ignorant they are to just not knowing. Like, you know what I mean? It's cool. Yeah, man. It's, it's, it definitely is. I mean, it's really overlooked too. <laughs> Cause you look at a formula one car and there's so much detail that you can't deny that a lot of work and a lot of engineering went into that, but there's so much engineering in NASCAR, man. So much. I mean, these guys now, um, surely they're putting, a lot of budget into aero and and their setups and you know simulation work as well i mean even when i was applying for engineering jobs at the time there were nascar teams hiring and they were looking for engineers with you know more motorsport experience than i had otherwise i'd probably be working for them but you know they're out there and it's definitely a huge thing um just because they look like a, a normal car i guess people don't really see it but it's it's definitely there very scientific and I, I think it was interesting that you guys are bringing up the whole cheating thing, you know, because um, in a way, at what point does cheating also just become like engineering, you know, like you're getting creative with these things. I suppose they're not within the rules, um, but <laughs> yeah, that's when it starts to be cheating. <laughs> that's when it starts to be cheating, you know, <laughs> but uh, very creative. Um, and, you know, who would think like, yeah, you know, we're going to play with the windows and stuff like that. You know, it's just like, it's insane to me. It's really cool. Yeah. And to well, your point, you, when you, when you look at like F1, you can see it. But at the same time, it's like NASCAR, they can only go so much because in, in F1, you know, you can do the different little fins and carbon fiber pieces here and there that make air do different things. NASCAR is pretty much, I mean, it's a, it's a square square car, you know. Um, yeah. There's uh, a lot less. Stock car. Yeah, stock car, yeah. <laughs> so, no, on, on your note, Russell, um, a little fact that we can get into this in another episode too. 
But DRS actually was first in NASCAR by a cheat. Wow. And you'll have to tune in later like to our the, NASCAR the, special to learn the rest Harry of that Grant story. Harry Grant ran a car with DRS on it. That's crazy, man. There, oh, there you, you go. He was also first in NASCAR. Beer. Just saying. Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> Beer actually, and tailgate parties. Yeah. And moonshine. moonshine. <laughs> but anyways, right. out from uh, NASCAR, went kind of back there and... Uh, Sorry about that, but that was, that was fun. Uh, jump into F1 uh, for a little bit. The uh, race coming up, the old Hungarian Grand Prix. You say Hungarian? Hungarian. 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 Oh, well, it's because I'm from Buffalo. Hungarian. Yeah. Budapest. Interesting I've driven past that track. Wow. Oh, wow. You've been. Yeah, he got lost on his way back home one time. Bigger <laughs> 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 few rock turns. <laughs> Just a few. Somehow I ended up in Hungary. I don't know how. <laughs> I was yeah, pretty driving. He, he, he thought there was food there. He was pretty hungry. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the uh, this old Grand Prix here has got a, a lot of good topics. I don't know if it'll be good racing. Uh, it usually produces some pretty good racing overall, um, especially with F1. But um, for this weekend specifically... There's those quality changes that tried to go on at a track before. Where was that? Somebody ought to remind me. Um, it got rained out. What was the one that got rained out this year? Emma. Yeah. So they were going to do this where they were going to uh, break down the qualifying compounds to uh, qualifying ones. They are mandated to only run hards. Quality uh, two, then they'll move to the mediums. Um, quality three is the softs. I don't really know where they're at on the compound rating. I'm sure it's the C1, C2, and C3 like they've been doing. Um, that seems to be the run they've been going with this year. I'm figuring they'll stay with that just because of the fact that um, this is kind of a new new deal. As far as I can tell, they said it'll bring uh, more strategy, of course, because it's going to break it down from 13 to 11 sets of tires for the full weekend. Um, that'll be three hards, four mediums, and four softs. But... Um, I think that's that whole thing that we've been talking about. They're trying to figure out a way to save money. Um, tires are a big expense across the board for every team. So if they can bring that from 13 to 11, it's a start, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. I'm sure there's some disposal of tires and how we're going to save the world. But um, as far as I know, I think it's kind of neat. I kind of like it. Um, Love is off the playing field for the uh, first couple of, uh, you know, first couple of qualifying sessions i think but uh i think you should always have q3 at sauce or or an option i hope they don't change that because that's when you really want to see the fastest speeds out of the fastest guys um i think it's gonna be q one's gonna be interesting because i think a lot of people are gonna overfuel the cars and run them long oh yeah. maybe that's not bad it's idea gonna to be a, the tire. it's gonna be a really busy track for like five laps trying to yeah, find space yeah, because there'll yeah, be little to no reason to run two laps that come in and switch. I mean, yeah. I get you. And does that, sorry, Antonio, but does that delay? Is it a lot of people going to wait till the end just to run? I'm curious what is going to happen with the tire choice for starting now. Like, is it open after that? Do you know, Levi? That I. They used to have to start on, what wasn't it, the Q2 well, yeah. tire? Uh, so, Q2 tire, yeah. Yeah, but they don't so, have to do that this year. I don't think you've got to do that. Really? Um, no, no, we've had some switch ups 
uh, before, but at the same time, I don't think that'll be this time because uh, they're kind of doing it to uh, up the ante on your strategies, I guess you should say. But I'm just trying to think, like, maybe two sauce, like the Q3 session is, it's only a couple minutes shorter. It doesn't seem like it should be that big a deal, but it seems like it's a rush, rush deal, that last one. I don't know why, it just seems like everybody's in go mode, so... um. I mean, what do you run through? Maybe two softs, we'll say. Mediums, I could see them going through probably three. That's still going to leave you with one medium and two softs if you did that run. Um, And then you'll still have plenty of hards if the hard's been holding up like it has been before, man. That thing's been a tramp, like, (laughs) as far as degradation goes. Uh, These tires have held out longer than a lot of the tires. I don't know if that has to do with the car um, being engineered to hold out on more tires, but the soft we saw... Ooh, don't hold me to a number, but I think it was 22, 23 laps from Russell at Silverstone, I think, on the on the softs, if I remember right. So, used to, that was a 15 to 20 max uh, tire. He he still looked decent, too. It's just everybody else started changing tires. It was time to go. So, I think he probably could have made a couple more laps, and he might have made more than that, but I can't really recall. So, that's my fault. But, um, yeah, qualifying. We'll see how it goes. I think the rest of the weekend is going to be the same. There won't be any super sprints or any of that stuff that's going on this weekend. So it'll just be a different qualifying session. So if you see everybody running around in hards, you'll know what's going on. Nobody wants to be fast. Everybody's going to be slow. So it's a protest. But uh, besides that, uh, a couple more things to touch on. Uh, Red Bull uh, can actually move into the record books with 12 consecutive wins this weekend. Um, The last time that was done was an 88 McLaren. They had 11. And so they were tied with them with the last, uh, last race. Which to me is kind of hard to believe that Hamilton and and Mercedes didn't win, you know, eleven in a row in his dominating domination. You know, the times that he dominated over those few seasons, especially the last couple. I mean, I just think I don't know why. I mean, I guess they had less consecutive races. You think you've been able to pull something like that off? I would have thought um, they were really on top of their game with that car. Would have thought Mercedes. Hamilton and Rosberg would have done it, right? It's just. Yeah, 2016, that was pretty crazy. I think the difference in 2016, though, is that these two guys were on top of each other. I mean, um, the difference this season is, you know, you have Checo definitely playing the number two game, um, which I think leads into another segue for another whole other conversation about Checo. Um, we have all heard the drama that's <laughs> happened with Nick DeFries. Um That's a good point. How did we forget about that? I think... That it is a classic case of uh, Red Bull's very aggressive driver academy. However, it sucks for Nick. I don't really know. I mean, the AlphaTauri car does suck, but uh, you know what? From Bennett in it, when it we've been we've been calling Sonoda to Bennett all year. Has he even been it yet? I don't think no. so. We've no. literally. I was looking at the first like ten like rounds. We've had him like almost every time, and he hasn't been it. So I don't know. I mean, it's one of those things. Maybe Nick wasn't performing. Um and. and- yeah, I mean, he wasn't performing, let's be real here. But at the same time, did he deserve to be replaced that quick into his first year? Probably not. I mean, they probably could have let him finish off the season, but and they we, got Danny yeah. Rick, man. It's a PR stunt. I, I was going to say, we will talk more about Danny Rick. You know it's my segment, I'm going to take that to the end. But uh, that's my boy, Danny, my boy, being back. But uh, yeah, um, well, we'll go. Real quick, we'll touch on McLaren. Um, everybody's kind of talking about them because of the the podium, it, almost double podium. Let's say it, man. Uh, Piastri is fast. That car was super fast. Um, I think 
you know, uh, Norman and a couple other guys might have talked about it last time. Hamilton's even saving over the radio that it was a rocket ship. <laughs> but that was a very track-specific car, unfortunately. I don't see them having the same uh, luck. I don't think they'll be shooting for no podiums here at uh, Budapest. But hopefully that what they've brought to Silverstone they can build on. I've been trashing on McLaren, but my boy Danny's got a ride now, so I guess I can quit. Uh, I feel like they did him a little dirty. Um, here we're talking about DeVries, and we forget about Ricardo. Not getting any upgrades, but you know, hey, that's conspiracy. I can't really speak to that. I don't know if that was true. I'm just saying, I don't think they gave him any. I I like Danny, Rick. He's awesome. Um, but I, I really think this is his last shot to prove himself. I mean, he only Hands has down. a deal. He only has a deal to finish the year, doesn't he? He doesn't even have one next year, right? No, so. he don't have one. Um, Hamilton's up, of course. That is something that's swirling around, but it's been swirling around for weeks now. I don't. I didn't really wasn't going to touch on it, but you I mean you kind of said that, so it's kind of a little caveat, but. Uh, there's a couple of guys that are coming up on contracts this year, next year. Danny Rick does not really have anything set up. It was a one-year race, you know, to be the uh, reserve driver. Um, they figured they were going to do a little more with him, but uh, it was supposed to be a PR season. Personally, I think he looked better on the simulator than what they were. I think it's what they were hoping for, but didn't really think that they would see it. And then I think the, you know, the icing on the cake is just uh, zero points from DeBreeze. Uh, he's just not showing that he's going to do anything better and that he was, uh, the tire testing looked really good with Danny. Definitely. And to add on to the point, I think, uh, about Daniel's, it's the, like the season being really important for Daniel. Um, one thing I'd like to add on, on what you said, Antonio, is that um, Daniel Ricardo really has to show what he's made of this season because Liam Lawson is going to enter the fray soon. He's finishing Super Formula this year. And um, he's actually leading the championship, I believe, where he's really competitive in that championship. So that's probably one of the main reasons why he's actually not taken up that seat at AlphaTauri. Otherwise, it might have been him. Um, so if Daniel shows that he can't perform next race and for the rest of the season, that seat might very well be Liam Lawson's. Um, however, on the flip side, if Daniel can prove that he's got what it takes, and if he even qualifies Perez in an AlphaTauri or outperforms given his circumstances... That could be Daniel back to the top seat. That could put Sonoda at risk too. You never well, know. so we touched base on that last weekend a little bit. I think Sonoda's, I think they're really wanting to lean on him. I don't know if it's some, yet again, we talk about money, right? I don't know if it's a sponsorship he's bringing. I don't know if it's his, uh, you know, his Japanese background or something, um, something going on there. But they really, I think they're really leaning on him more than I thought they would like it seems like DeVries was always a question and Sonoda wasn't this year for some reason it's like he almost got I'm not gonna say a free pass but it didn't matter what he did there they, they, he was their guy and then with Danny it's almost a win-win you got a guy's gonna come in and give you 110 because he knows his back's against the wall at the same time he can kind of tell Sonoda because I don't know if y'all been watching Driver Survive I'm sure you have I know they do I'm sure Russell you've tuned in every episode so I don't know if you noticed it, but it seemed like, man, Sonoda was just a little almost, and I, it's a, I can't think of a better word, but a little immature for what you want to see in a Formula driver in that TV show. And of course, they can show you all the bad stuff and make it look bad. We know that. But um, maybe Danny can show him how to, hey, man, you can still be the fun guy. You know what I'm saying? But you can be serious and a businessman at the same time. So they can get a little bit of that from Danny there. Hopefully they'll get some production from Daniel. And and if not, like you said, it's a it's a... It's just awesome motivation for Perez that if he sees an AlphaTauri with a number three in his rear, you better get this fucks going. You know what I mean? Um, because if they're like you said, I think realistically, let's let's try to get some points before the end of the season. 
unrealistically, unless you shoot for the stars, he starts either qualifying better or or outrunning Perez. And like you said, if it's Red Bull to Alfatari, that's a no-brainer for them to go ahead and swap that seat. Where Perez ends up, I don't know if they can put him to reserve driver because they've always got Lawson in their back pocket. So I think it's a I think it's a win-win for them on this move, unfortunately for DeVries. I don't know where he lands either. I don't know if we don't see him again because that has happened. We all know F1's cutthroat, dude. You'd but, be hard. Yeah, maybe. I mean, it's it's a it's an avenue for them now that really wasn't around before that much. So that's good. Uh, but I think he's. I don't want to say better than IndyCar. I think he's got a different driving style than what would suit IndyCar. But I've said that about a couple of guys. Oh, Grosjean's doing pretty good over there. So he's doing all right. And, except this week. Yeah, he's, he's doing okay. Is. The wheel slipped out of my hand. Yeah, they're they're actually on. talking about him losing his seat now. Well, you know what? I don't even know I, what I'm talking about then. That's the one time I tried to talk about Indy and y'all trash me. So forget me talking about <laughs> Indy anymore. No. <laughs> uh, but yeah, they they brought some upgrades to Alphatari to help Danny out back at Silverstone. They didn't really pan out. Um, they were they kind of threw it off in their interviews and whatnot to some heated tracks and front tires not gripping. And I'm like, yeah, but you made upgrades for that kind of stuff. If it didn't work, then it didn't work. So they're going to bring a few more upgrades. I don't know what they are. Uh, that was Aero is all they've been telling. They've been keeping it pretty close to the chest. So we will see. We will see what happens. I think it's a very exciting time. Um, I'm going to have to buy a bunch of Alphatari stuff now because my guy Danny's back and I didn't really know where he's going to end up. So I've got at least a little over half a season to praise my guy and look behind Max when he goes by and look behind Hamilton to see if I can see a white and blue car doing good. And when they make the ticker go away and you're like, where's my guy? He was racing somebody. Anyways, um, <laughs> back to the McLaren days of watching the guys in the back marker. But uh, So F1 TV swore. Yes, sir. But I got a Max Verstappen fan as a wife, so... That's unfortunate. Yeah, we don't get to see him much anymore, unfortunately, because <laughs> he's oh, so yeah. far up there. So we're just watching other people race. But uh, Norman not, after La- not after Silverstone. He wasn't that far ahead of He wasn't point. that far, but man, that's kind of bad. So that right there should show you how good Max is in that car specifically. This team literally built this whole car this year for that one race, and they still lasted like three or four seconds behind him. That was the closest anyone's ever been, I think, this this season. It's nuts. I mean, just domination, man. Just you gotta give it to him right now. Which which you gotta give it to him, which brings it to our um in it, win it, and bid it. Um we do this every uh every time there's an F one race coming up. We don't do it every episode, but uh we're just kind of keeping a running tally um out for us and, and we let our guests do it too if you want to. Uh, play at home, you know, let us know. Uh, unfortunately, Max Verstappen is not in any of these picks because he's on a uh, he's on a level just unreal right now, and it would just be the pick for win it every time for a guy. Um, so your Bennett pick will be your first one. Who do you think is going to wreck out? Your in it pick is who you think will be in the top ten points. Um, like I said, not being Max, and then your win it pick yet again not being Max. Um, who do you think is going to be the highest placing in it besides uh, the man right now, Mister Mister? Number one, Mister. Yeah, it used to be non-Red Bull car, but now yeah, Perez it used to be Red non-Red Bull. He's a finished second for a while though. So Pere- Perez is out of Q1. Yeah, Perez is back into the uh, the the pool. You can pick him <laughs> if you want to. Uh, we always let our um, we let our guests go first, correct? Yes. I, I don't think we ever had a guest for any bit. <laughs> hey, yo, <laughs> this might be a first. I think. All right. No, I think Josh Green was in it, but he. Yeah. I don't. 
yeah, I think he might have picked, but um, yeah. Anyways, yeah. Uh, so start it with your uh, well, hell. You can do whatever you want. You're the guest. <laughs> right on. Well, for Bennett, I'm gonna have to keep it close to you know home. My fellow countryman Logan Sargent. I kind of feel that the uh, Williams is a bit of a bit of a difficult car to drive. I mean, Alex has been doing it great. Um, I wish I could say the same for Logan right now. I mean, to be fair, he's a rookie. Um, but yeah, I, I would have to give it to him. I don't think Yuki or Daniel would necessarily bin it given how competitive they're going to have to be for this race. It's going to be a very important race for them, um, especially for Daniel. So, uh, I think they're going to try to keep it off of the wall now for in it. Espen Ocon. I think he's been a very consistent driver. Um, a little bit underrated in my opinion, but he's been driving very well, especially in that Alpine this year for wit. It's going to be hard not to say Checo, um, given that he has the better car right now. But I'm not going to say Checo because uh, these past couple of races, it's it's been it's been tough, man. It's been tough to watch us if you're a Checo fan. Um, so I'm probably going to say probably going to say Hamilton. I think the Mercedes it's a competitive car all around. I think it's great what you were talking about Levi with the McLaren um, and how they, how fast it was this past weekend at Silverstone. Um, but like you said, it's it's a track specific car, so I think the Mercedes all around is a faster car than the McLaren. So I'm gonna I'm gonna say Lewis for winning. Good picks, bro. Good picks. Very professionally done. Ours don't normally go that professional. <laughs> yeah, no, ours are gonna be a a, a shit show. But uh, who's up? Who's up this in week? In the regular rotation, we have good old Norman. Hold on, hold on. Before we start, let's let's do a leaderboard real quick. What are we looking at? Oh yeah, let's do an update. So. For the record, I'm I'm lazy. We're all lazy, bro. Let's be real here. Um, we never went ahead and we we never went back and recorded the results for like the first four races, and then we were missing like I don't know round nine or something. So, anyways, we are now officially up to date. So there was no picks for round one. Uh, there was no picks for round six because that was Imolina got canceled. It's still written in there, but there's no results from it. So after what's technically ten rounds of picking, we have for the points totals and none other than your boy is on top but i'm sharing it with levi so we got a crisp nine points each oh yeah um on the next step of the podium we have norman go figure we thought he'd be last but he's actually second last um and then we got last on the podium step is, uh, is dave with five step points up, bro so, and uh norman has six i don't know if i actually said the points total but so they're having the battle of the shittest well me and levi up here are having the battle of the best so we'll see how it goes um, you know, it could turn around. We still got lots of time. So I'm, you know, I might eat my words later this season, but we'll see how it goes. I'm, uh, going to be conservative with my picks, but Norman, nevertheless, you're up this week. So don't screw it up. Otherwise Dave's going to catch you. So pick wisely. But, well, um, I'm going to start with my Bennett pick and we're going to do a unique way to do this pick. Um, cause I don't know which driver to pick on this team, but I'm going to go against, um, my fellow country's team. I'm going to pick a Hosh driver. So we're going to flip this coin right here on camera. Um, my boys can see. We're going to go we're a podcast. Head. I know. Heads is going to be um, Hawkenberg <laughs> and Tails is going to be Magnuson. And we're just going to see which one it's going to be. For Bennett. It's going to be Hawkenberg's going to Bennett this weekend. Well, rough. I would have went with Magnuson, but whatever. Yeah. But you, you never know what's what. <laughs> 
You don't know who's going to blow their engine in Haas. So yeah, true right. story. <laughs> <laughs> it's well, a flip the coin. Magnuson's lower in points, so technically you're gambling wrong. But we'll see how it goes. <laughs> yeah. Anyways. So we're going to go with um, Auchenberg to um, DNF this week. I don't think he's going to actually wreck. I think his car is going to explode. Oh, uh, so um, my win it pick. Um, you I'm going to take, take your end pick. Do we, we want to do the end pick first? Yes. Like, oh, going into, why would you pick in for last? That's the like <laughs> middle pick. Well, fine. We'll we'll do the end pick. I'm gonna go with um. No, I'm gonna go with a Mercedes. I'm gonna go with Russell this week. Share the love oh. in the Mercedes camp. Hope he wrecks. Uh, <laughs> when do you not want a Russell to wreck? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no kidding. <laughs> Um, we got Ru- Russell slow toe. We got Russell. Okay, and Tony slow. Russell. Okay, and Tony slow. <laughs> so uh, I think Mercedes they normally perform very well at this track. So I think uh, we got Norm Crash, Leash it. Uh, <laughs> that one didn't even make sense. That last. Yeah, but it's so true though. <laughs> <laughs> I was making like the LeBron memes, you know how they make like every time he does something, it's like, oh, he's less smart or some shit. <laughs> yeah. All right, Levi's le shit. Anyways, I guess it's my turn. Um, I didn't so- even finish. Oh shit! That's you right. been talking Fuck, over it all damn Fuck. time. I don't want to listen to you, bro. Hurry up! I'm actually ready this time too. So, all right, see so your win pick w- that you wanted to say second. My win pick... I'm going to keep cutting you off. It's kind of fun. <laughs> My win pick this week, since he's back on the board, and Red Bull has always been also very strong at this track, I think um, Perez can get a podium this week, and he finishes second behind Max this week. And, yeah, I'm going to take him. Calling Q1 elimination, but... I yeah, still- pom, pom. yeah, that will be my luck, because right. that's how it always goes. Just like last... In Silverstone, I picked my in and win pick. Had to switch spaces on the podium. Yeah, you suck. Anyways. All right. Well, now it's my turn. Actually, this time, um, I'm going to pick better picks than Norman just heads up. So uh, for the bin pick this week, we're going to take a little gamble. Um, sort of. I mean, he's, you know, typically been at the back. And I'm not, I don't think it's really his fault. I think it's just a car thing. Uh, but we're going to go with both has this week for a bin pick. Um. In, I think you can never count out Lewis Hamilton. I think it's fair to just say he's he's always there. Um, I think for points, especially, like has he even had a finish outside of the top ten? Maybe this, maybe at the very start of the season. I don't know. Car wasn't very great at the beginning. So, uh, on to the win pick. Uh, it's probably the complete wrong option, but we're gonna send it anyways. Because uh, you know, maybe we'll give Levi a fighting chance uh, against me. I just have to give him a head start. So, uh, we're gonna pick Leclerc to win it. So we'll see how it goes. I mean, I don't. Yeah, I'm thanks not, for that one, bud. Appreciate the welcome. point. I'm just he'll wreck this week. This usually how it goes. I'm just for, by the way for for stat purposes, I picked Leclerc to bend it more times than I picked Sergeant. I picked Leclerc to bend it four times and Sergeant to pick it uh, to bend three times. Just saying. Anyways, that's all I got. So Levi, I don't know. Oh, Dave's up actually. So we got Dave's, Dave's up. Uh, this just in from. From Nowhereville, we we don't have Dave's picks. We don't have Dave's picks. Norman doesn't know how to text properly. He probably spelled it wrong or something. So, <laughs> anyways, so hey, I, cut yeah, this so, shit. 
Do we just <laughs> do we do we just want to give Russell's picks to Dave's spot possibly? No. I think we just that means you, you failed to get your picks in. You is that what we, we did to Antonio that time? Yeah, yeah, we dropped him to last. Yeah, yeah. No, but I, I still know. did. Oh, oh, oh! I see what you mean. No, then he cheated day. the next week, and yeah, he went first anyway. So that he was, really should be the champ. So go ahead and put an uh, asterisk next to that score oh, if okay. you could, and uh, go ahead and put me to the top spot. I'm gonna put uh, an asterisk next to Dave's name because he went to go first. Dave anyways. could text any minute now and take your. Yeah, pick. you're ruining it. So you better do uh, your picks, buddy. Yeah, I'm not ruined. I'll still win. It's all good. So it looks like Bennett. Um, just like John Deere's winning the battle. Anyways, sorry. Yes, yes, they are. Really? Are and they? so, uh, <laughs> yeah. No, I think it's a uh, probably um, Botas on that one. Also, I've got a really strong feeling. You know, I'll go with his teammate. We'll just switch it up. Uh, we'll go with Joe on that. I think he's uh, that that team needs help, man. Unfortunately, without Fumaria, no trash on Russell. You know what I mean? He worked for them. It's a car company. They're doing great, but they need they need some kickstart and get get up to the front there. Dude, they um, need someone like Russell to come carry them. Like Williams had a Russell. Carry I know. Them. Russell just, is the answer. Like, that's top, it. Period. Cross Russell board. Soto 2024. There you go. Russell Soto. Russell I am the answer. You're going to let him drive around a circle and the car's going to blow up most of the time. <laughs> Give him those laps. You know what I mean? Come on. Um, anyways, in it... Um, I'm going to do it, man. Since you gave me one with LeClaire, I'm going to give you a point. Danny Rick, baby. I wanted to go get a point. That's all I'm asking. You can go get me a point, my friend. I've got faith in you. I don't know if anybody else does, but I got faith, all right? Um, win it. Uh, man, you got to leave me more. Um, <laughs> so we can go against Russell's or no? Uh, I Russell's got Russell's. Picks. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah Russell does a gift. Yeah. yeah, he's just he's and a gift. Yeah. Uh, so you picked Russell <laughs> Norman? Yes. Okay. He picked Perez to win it. To win yeah, it. I yeah. picked Perez. Perez to win it. Yeah, I what picked Russell in it. Man, does, doesn't yeah. even know his own picks. I'm picking Russell. I'm picking Russell. I'm gonna go with that one. Um Russell's looking good, man. Uh Hamilton, you know, he's always got that that swag and he always seems to do a little bit better but russell's been staying with it and i think if if the team will give him a chance that's the problem and i'm not trying to say that they're lopsided they're probably one of the most even teams right now as far as um letting their two drivers do their thing uh ferrari's not that way by any means right now unfortunately for signs and that's me me personally thinking that i don't even understand how because he's in front in the championship i know but they just i mean when there's a tire switch or or it's who can come in with you know last weekend they did give him one chance though they asked him what he wanted to do. He asked what was all around him, and he said, "Don't worry about it. Y'all make the y'all make the call." So they actually were talking to him, but that's the first time this season I've seen them even let him have a chance, you know, to uh, do anything different. Anyways, long story short, too late. Uh, that's my picks. So we'll see. We'll see, man. Big big talking points. New quality session style, and uh, my boy at Alphatari. We'll see how it goes, man. It's it's the start to a beautiful season for a Danny Rick fan just to see him back out there. So I think everybody likes those smiling Australians. So it's pretty cool. I do think Danny can get points this week. This week? Nice. Thanks, man. We appreciate it over here at the Danny camp. Uh, For the sake of me winning, I I think you won't get any. You you can finish 11th, though. I'm going to start the chance. Honey, badger. 
Anyway, so so yeah, it's all together. Oh, dude, I want, I, mean, I want Russell to get in there so I can pick him to Ben every week. <laughs> Heck yeah! Heck yeah! So oh, on man. the uh, real quick, uh, when we get up out of here, we had a team goon squad endurance. I think right. You want to touch on that just real real quick, Norman? Yeah, we heard yeah. it went well. I was hungry, so yeah. Um, it it did start well, but it did end well. We were at Monza this week for three hours. Um, unfortunately, uh, I didn't have a teammate, so I Iron Man the three hours. First two hours, and uh, Sim is fine. The third hour gets a little taxing. If any of y'all have ever done three hours in a Sim, yeah, call. I think it was a was it a three or four hour at Daytona last year? Uh, ran the Porsche, me and Jared. Um, Jared three hours. It. Yeah, Jared ran it by himself. I ran it from by myself. I'd seen him do it at Le Mans when me and you were racing on the other yeah. team, um, and he did it at Le Mans, and I thought, ah, I'm not going to be as fast because I'm just not as fast as him in this snap, but I could do this. Um, about halfway through that race, he goes, dude, this is a really crappy one to do this because at Le Mans, you got the back stretch and everything, and you got to <laughs> take a break. He goes, at Daytona, you don't have that many straightaways. I was like, I've noticed this. Uh, <laughs> I'm already tired kind of halfway through that one. So, But uh, yeah, no, it's a, it's a different ball game, and... Uh, something i want to do again honestly so it's a i've done a 20 we talked about the two-man 24 and did a four-hour stint during that at lamar um but this was this is a little bit different it's it was a little bit more mentally taxing than i was expecting third step was it was anyway i turned my fastest lap in it it was hard that was the hardest stint to be consistent and I'm not talking about Russell's consistency within a tenth. I'm trying to be like turning laps within seconds of each other. Consistent. So you just suck. No, I'm yeah. just kidding. Hey, yo. <laughs> um, no, I like endurance racing, but y'all can have it, bro. I ain't going. I'm not about to sit there for four hours. Y'all crazy. This is a way. <laughs> I mean, it's uh, cool. I'll, I'll watch you do it. I mean, I'll sit there with you and drink a beer or something, but man, you can have it. I'm just saying. Um. But yeah, unfortunately, like the last race I did, um, this is the second race of this season B, uh, I had my teammate Tim and a buddy of his run the first race at Daytona because I was on vacation. But my last race at Le Mans, I started and did the exact same thing, lap two, um, got to slow down my eye racing and we know how we love iRacing slowdowns and how they calculate your time. Um, by the time I realized I had not given enough time back um, and it still was on my screen, it was too late to try to give time back. I I do this time. I do more blame it on myself. I was just trying to be too aggressive on giving the time back and not lose a position. I got a really good start and it jumped like two positions and was in a race there was two cars behind me and like four cars in front of me and i was competitive against those cars i was trying to make passes and just cut the first chicane a little bit too much and got like a second slowdown and i couldn't give it back before i got through um lesmo 2 and by that time it was too late um so i ended up getting a 40 second stop and hold so now i'm just racing myself I was just trying to get out there and be consistent. Uh, ended up getting a P6. 
a B6 finish. Um, without the 42nd hold, I probably would have finished P5th. Um, had no business being in those positions. Um, probably more of a P7, P8 cars on pace. Uh, but I kept a clean car. No one else did in those positions. Uh, and that'll change a race. So, um, like I said, uh, big shout out to the Team Goon Squad Endurance Series. Um, loved running that series. Endurance is really fun to run when you run against the same guys week in and week out. Uh, you know who you're racing and you know what you're going to get. That's why I like it uh, better than the series on iRacing. So, but that's an yeah. update from there. Um, running a really, really cool badass paint scheme. Um, we posted, well, it got tagged with the, um, in the Instagram for the discord or not Instagram for the podcast, not discord. Um, and I'll post some photos in, uh, the discord too. The really cool paint scheme. Levi made it. I really love it. And enjoy running it but i also um guess it's time to talk about uh where league zero's going this week and who's all running in that well i'm glad you asked sir uh hopefully russell sloto is going to be there um he's probably going to win because you know finley right. decided to just to dis disembark from his journey to another back-to-back -back, uh championship so anyways uh, no, we're going to Hungary. We're going to Hungaro Ring. That's cool. So uh, we're following F1 for the next couple of weeks, which would be sweet. So we're going to run Hungaro Ring, Spa, and then uh, might as well wrap up the schedule. There's only four rounds left. So it leaves us to Olten Park and then Phillip Island to round out the season. Um, we had a pretty good uh, race last week. Or not last week. Last week was an off week. But prior to that, we ran Silverstone. Uh, that was a pretty solid race. Um I what what did I, who ended up winning? Was it my teammate? Probably. Anyways, Raymond. Yeah. There. So that's cool. Um, still leading the team championship, which is awesome. We've been there, wanted to get that one for a while, so we got about a forty-eight point lead, which is sweet. Uh, but other than that, it's gonna be an interesting one. Come check us out Thursday night. We got some new guys uh, who've been pulling up recently. Not sure where they came from. Hopefully from the Lab Zero podcast, but probably not because we suck. So we'll it's see how it goes. Um. Is Levi showing up this week? Probably not. Uh, that will be not this now. week, no, sir. Levi's been saying it all season. Let's be real. He's not coming. So now I really want to make the Grand Prix the uh, the the full race, and I missed it. I really I, feel I bad about that. But I had a we're gonna have another one of those before the season ends. Or? No, that's our two for the season. So we're we just may have back to. I'm, I'm not a steward anymore, but I may have to throw that in the suggestion. Yeah. Maybe doing another one of those. Those are pretty fun. I think everybody has a good time with them, but. Uh, Anyways, it's good. it's good if you're doing good. It sucks if you're doing bad. Let's yeah, just the, that, the stewards that used to be there are a lot cooler. Um, the ones I got in there now, I mean, they're just kind of, you know, yeah. whatever. <laughs> you all saw the cool ones. Yeah, the cool ones also didn't do shit. So, anyway. Uh, it was me. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's true. I think most of us, Guilty. all of us were the original stewards. Oh, yeah. 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 The original oh, steward yeah, crew. He's yeah. still standing. Oh, the league owner. Uh, <laughs> so, friending the show as usual. Anyways, yeah, for those time. watching, I've been around these guys for a while. Like, I've seen the birthplace of almost League Zero. I remember He's when you guys, remember you guys were just running Formula Rental and hosted sessions we trying to get people to join. Formula Rental 2.0. What a time yeah. to be alive. 
I remember yeah, that. Right? There's zero races of those, but we did like two recruitments and there was just this one random dude named Russell Soto running laps. Yeah, man. And I was like, hey, homie, you want to run some laps and the, or you want to come join our league? And that's how the friendship hey. began. And then we ran F3 and he showed up later. So and here we are. Yeah. <laughs> here we are like three years later in a podcast that apparently he is a guest on that, you know, maybe 26 people probably watch if we're lucky. So anyways, thank you for <laughs> coming out. Already spent an episode. <laughs> <laughs> hey, twice we a, get one each episode, you know. Yeah, it's there a great you podcast. Thank you for coming to our uh, halfway point. Uh, if you've made it this far, we love you. We're gonna do a little, a couple of shout outs here at the end to kind of wrap things up for sure. Um, Team Goon Squad. You can go to teamgoonsquad.com for their website. You can find them on YouTube. Um, those are our boys, James East. He's always helped us. We help him. Uh, try to keep it real with with the people that's been there, you know, and stuff. Uh, Russell, where where can people find you out there in the in the wide wide world? Yeah, absolutely. Um, Instagram is the main social media page I've been using right now. So at Russell T. Soto. Um, I post a lot. I try to post at least maybe once every two weeks, once every week. Um, been a lot more consistent with that. And of course, uh, my website, russellsotoracing.com. Um, mm-hmm. You can find a lot of my mm-hmm. racing history background as well as current updates um, from that Some website. pretty cute photos on there too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We're looking dude over here. Lovely yeah, job. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah, I mean, I would say those are the two main ones for now, but be on the lookout. There's going to be a YouTube channel coming up, some Twitch stuff coming up. And of just course, curious. yeah. Does your contact page go directly to you? Contact page? Yeah, it does. Does it go to you or your dad? No, it goes directly I'm to gonna, me. I'm, I'm going to keep that in mind. All right, cool. Okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't yes. want to know what that's about. <laughs> I, I'm not sure what it is about either, but I guess I'll find out soon. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> You'll yeah, slide yeah. the DMs. <laughs> Feel free to contact me, I guess. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and of course, you can find me on League Zero. You know, I love racing with these guys. Um, so you'll probably catch me on a couple of those races. But yeah. Yeah. And I'm sure this isn't the I, last time that you'll be on this this little this little ride with us if it, it keeps continuing. You know what I mean? Um, good, good to have you on for sure. Yeah. And thank you for having me, man. I, I would love to come back. This is a lot of fun. Love, to, love doing this kind of thing. So. Anyways, uh, if anybody else has got anything, I think that is lap 26 in the books. Um, I like to call it the, was it the Torpedo? Was that what they, uh, Vettel had a nickname for in the old uh, Kvyat? Kvyat, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> the Torpedo episode number 26. <laughs> yeah, and, and sorry, Dave, Dave, since you didn't give us any picks, you had zero points. Um, no, he actually I, he did give us those picks. We should probably okay. mention them briefly. Okay, and now it comes along. I got him. Or did he give oh, me? Okay. Oh, oh, no, he didn't. No, he never mind. He didn't. Just kidding. I was about no, like, to say, like, He's like, is it time? Let me know what I can't pick. So I sent them what he can't pick. And that was like 10 minutes ago. He still doesn't remember. Yeah. So you know what? He's like, I like hanging with his family and stuff. Like, what a loser. Just randomly cut your picks in somewhere, Dave. Just do it. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. You probably heard it. This is probably irrelevant by now. It's probably getting cut out. So you know what? Have a fucking fantastic rest of your day, night, morning, evening, whatever the Whenever fuck you listen time to it us. is. And wherever NASCARs goes this week, since so you never mentioned that. Okino! Please listen to oh, us next week. I like that track. Oh, oh Okino. That's cool. Yeah, they're not Anyway. We love you. Time to leave. Two and a half hours. Don't just shut the fuck up. By the way, don't suck. See you guys later. Board straps. Okay, bye. Stay to my house. Go to Lancet. Go to Lancet.